Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, we have come here to uh, let you know that this is a spoiler-filled episode. First and foremost, if you are here and you have not seen Avengers Endgame, we will be discussing that first. If you, then we will go through our favorite uh, MCU, uh, Infinity Saga list, uh, our favorite movies in the Infinity Saga, rather. And then we will be discussing Game of Thrones. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Nerd Your Enthusiasm, episode six. That was a hard spoiler warning. How are you guys doing? My good sirs, Stephen and Nick. I am Ratman. Okay, one at a time. Goddamn. You're rat man? My, yeah, I'm rat man. You're rat man? Okay. Yeah. And how are you doing, Nicholas? So are we spoiling the shit out of Dumbo on this podcast? Yeah. Or, um, okay. We are. Yeah. Uh, Dumbo dies. I'm sorry, everybody. I, I, you know what's fucked up? I've never seen Dumbo. Crucify me for it. I don't care. Um, I know. <laughs> You're going to get Pete in here. Yeah. I I've never seen it. Dumbo. Well, that'll be for another podcast. Well, yeah, that's your problem. Let's, let's get to the <laughs> here. All right. Um, so we're going to start off with uh, talking about Endgame. Uh, first impressions without really going too much into detail. Uh, I'll start off. I fucking loved it. Uh, it was one of the best movies I've seen superhero wise in a very, very, well, not a very, very long time, but a very long time. Um such fantastic moments uh, in the movie that are just fan servicey, calling back to previous movies, for example, Iron Man or Avengers Age of Ultron, or just pretty much calling back to all the movies that came before it and bringing forth a lot of uh, a lot of great moments. What about you, Steve? What do you think? Let me just pr- uh, preface this by saying that I am a DC fanboy at and as someone who has always wanted Warner Brothers to not screw up their take on the Justice League and then floundering it, obviously, uh, I have always grown sort of like, sort of with jealous eyes looking at the MCU from afar with like, shit, man. If they get, if they pull it off at the end, I would be so pissed. And they did. Uh, I watched Endgame and it was basically fan service in a way that treated the audience with the respect it deserved. And there were a lot of moments, especially for like the final 45 minutes or so that are going to really cement itself in my brain for a long time. A lot of just standout moments, as you mentioned. Um, But the other aspect that I do want to touch upon once we go deeper into it is how it deals with grief within like the first third of the movie. And I didn't think that the movie was going to go that sort of uh, dark uh, than it usually does in previous MCU films. Um, Yeah, to me, it's a phenomenal a phenomenal like send off to to the whole first era of the MCU. Okay, what about you, Mister Nicholas? What do you think? Well, I would say with just one word, completion. Um, that's what this movie does for the entirety of twenty two movies and a couple of TV shows thrown in there for good measure. Um, 
yeah, like Steve said, it's great um, for the fans. Uh, this is pretty much a comic book lovers movie. It ties in um, kind of what I thought of it was this is like the annual comic book. Um, the annuals are the big comic books that they would publish at the end of the year. And it was a huge mashup of all the characters from an entire series, giant battle, whatever, what have you. Um, that's what this is. Um, and they, they hit it out of the park. Yeah, I, I, I thoroughly agree with both of you, Joe. Um, and especially, I, I would say it does more than just fan service. I would say it brings fan loyalty, or maybe there's a different word I could to, to use. The fan, I guess, it was, it was a way of thanking the fans more than just giving them like lip service at this point. Um, it was, it was like moments they took from, uh, for example, uh, Age of Ultron, like where it's teased that Cap can somehow wield Mjolnir, but he was not worthy at that moment in time. He had not uh, given enough sacrifice to uh, be worthy at that moment. And just like the teasing of like, just moving it and Thor's like, no, you're not allowed to have that. Um, <laughs> it's mine. Um, it's it just very, very uh, epic moment when, you know, the, the hammer, well, we'll get into it, but um yeah. Talking about moments in the movie that shit. Um starting off in the very beginning, I I thought I thought the movie was going to be about going after Thanos but obviously bringing everyone back. Um which is yes, it is about, but it act like they get the fucking going after Thanos part for mo- for one portion of it done in the first fucking 10 minutes, which is what they showed in the trailer. I was like, okay, this whole thing's going to take a while. It's gonna... And in the end, they'll go after Thanos. They'll get the stones. I, I didn't think there was going to be a, a, a heist uh, of sorts. I thought there was going to be, you know, something related to time. Like they'll go back and somehow like all be together and then fight him and then get the, the gauntlet. But I didn't think there's going to be a, a whole time heist, as it were. Um, but yeah, my first, my my holy shit moment was like they killed Thanos in the first ten minutes. I fucking they go to the garden, they pin his ass down, they cut off his hand, then Thor cuts off his fucking head. <laughs> Poor Thanos, he was just he he was just trying to live out his value value dream. Get out of my swamp! Seriously, <laughs> fucking Shrek. <laughs> Yeah. Grimace Shrek just trying to eat his fucking papayas. And he failed. That yeah. miserably. We're gonna get to Tahiti, boys! <laughs> he was in his uh, his tropical Tahiti on a farm growing that's whatever good, fucking... Uh, that's a good double pun there for a couple references. What pun? Tahiti? Tahiti? Yeah. Yeah. I don't, Dead Redemption I don't think... and yeah, also of course. and also Agents of Shield. I don't watch Agents of Shield too. I, I didn't actually get that reference. I made I, a pun without would, knowing it. Yeah, I would recommend it. I would recommend mm. it. It's a good the show. best kind of pun. The best kind of pun, one you mistakenly make. But yeah, uh, 
Yeah, what was a big holy shit moment for you, Steven? Um, so one of my like sort of grievances that I thought I was going to have was how they handled time travel. And obviously it was hinted that they were going to use the quantum realm, you know, based off of Ant-Man's ability to traverse it uh, as the foundation to do that. And they kind of, you know, made fun of time travel in a way with like references to back to the future and how, oh, well, all that's kind of bullshit. That's not how time travel works. And even though there might be some holes to how they implement time travel in in Endgame. And one thing that I will mention a bit later regarding the Infinity Stones and how they are important and integral to maintaining the the balance of, of time flowing, you know, in a straight line uh within the timeline um but besides that i thought it was really fucking cool how they went back to previous mcu films we touch on the avengers we touch on infinity war we touch on thor the dark world um i don't know if there's any other ones yeah it was literally infinity war uh the first avengers and thor dark world Yeah, yeah. So, like, it was kind of nice going back to basically the timeline of those films and seeing how they screw up or how they try and wreck. Guardians of the Galaxy. Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, Guardians of the Galaxy. There you go. With, you know, Quill fucking, you know, singing and we don't actually hear the (laughs) in-game. The, the, yeah, like the The headphones on. Yeah. (laughs) And, And I don't know. It's just added, like, this extra layer of, like, you know, omnipresence to what they were doing. Um, that to me surprised me the most. However, if we're going to like a specific moment of like getting out of your seat and cheering, it has to be when Dr. Strange activates the portals at the end and just brings everyone who was, you know, snapped out of existence in Infinity War back and everyone is just ready to go. Yeah, that's pretty fucking great. Um, definitely, I I came out of that movie, and th- you might—I don't know—I might regret saying this now, but I think that battle, maybe just because it was so concise and so you know, it didn't last. It was it was there and it was gone, and it lasted the perfect amount of time. It had the perfect amount of epicness. I think it was a better battle than what I saw in Return of the King. Uh, in my opinion, I love Return of the King. I'm not saying it's better than Helm's Deep. Helm's Deep is my is is great. I do enjoy Helm's Deep a lot. It's probably my favorite battle out of all the Lord of the Rings. I feel like it's it's kind of a it's hard to compare the ending yeah. battle of Endgame to anything else because again, that whole entire scene is literally. That there is a, a similar splash page in a comic from Avengers Assemble where that takes place. It, it, of course, yes, in the comic book, it has different characters and a different, you know, plot and stuff like that. But that right there was what Kevin Feige um, said was that this whole movie is for the fans that have stuck it out over the last 11 years. And that's. Like you said, the call-ins to the 
other movies where they, you know, would tell you what year it was where they were going back in time and to think like that was the year that that movie was happening yeah and so on and so forth um yeah that's what and that's why i said you know like one word to sum this movie up is complete it it, it really does bring it full circle it gives closure to a ton of characters and yes it leaves some openness for a couple of things here and there for you know tv shows that are potentially coming up but i'm glad that they didn't ruin it in the way of like you know having post credit scenes and that kind of stuff like if this is where you're going to end this arc that's the way you do it yeah uh, what was a was a big holy shit moment for you you and i saw this movie together mr yeah, Marcus. um there's a couple you audibly heard me fucking shout out loud yes. when Cap caught the fucking hammer. I was like, there, there's children around this. Okay. I was like, oh, yeah. holy fuck. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and they're like, oh. um, I think everybody in that theater was cheering for that part. Um, of course, one of my personal favorites, though, was how they 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 fucking turned Thor into the big Lebowski. Um, <laughs> I fucking I, I really like what they have like. To me, and this is what Chris Hemsworth's problem was, was he was tired of Thor being so, like, Mr. Um, through the entirety of, like, the first Thor and the second one. So he was almost like, I, I can't remember where I saw it, but there was something about that he wanted to, like, opt out of his contract because he was getting tired of it. And then they, like, clean-slated it with Thor Ragnarok. And that, to me, is the type of Thor that we all needed and they took it to just the next level with Endgame. And I, 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 I thought they hit it out of the fucking park. Just goddamn fat Thor is one of the best things about this movie. <laughs> oh my God. And also too, like the references and stuff to other characters. Like I loved where, um, Iron Man called fucking, uh, rocket ratchet from Ratchet yeah. and Clank. <laughs> and like, just like those little subtle things too, like the attention to detail. Um, but probably one of my favorite scenes because I'm a huge Iron Man fan is the, um, where they go back in time to get the Tesseract in 1970. And he has the run in with his dad and that whole yeah, scene that where, he's, where he gets to see his dad again. And they're talking about where right at that time, his dad is getting ready to go see his wife who is pregnant with Tony. And that, that whole arc right there was like, for me, that was perfect. And also getting to see the human form of Jarvis, which that same actor was in the agent Carter um, TV show that was mm. very, was cut short. Um, but yeah, it was great to see that, you know, to see where, Jarvis came from, which was like kind of like the second hand of Tony Stark through the first couple of Iron Man movies. That was a um, nice culmination, especially coming from like Iron Man 2 and 3, where they kind of sort of play off the idea that his dad was distant and maybe didn't appreciate him as much. Yeah. And then just yeah. to see this other side of like, hey, that wasn't the case. It was just, uh, it was just a matter of he was just too busy with his line of work to fully commit. Yeah. And and the thing that he said too, his dad was like, you know, I'm doing all of this for, you know, 
this child that I don't know yet, kind of in a way. And that, to me, brought the full circle around to what his dad was actually like. Um, but like you said, yeah, because he was busy creating an arms company, basically, he wasn't there. Um, yeah, and, the, and, and the parental role. And I like how that mirrors to the future where, where Tony Stark, you know, basically records that message to his daughter. Right. Uh, oh, fucking tearjerker, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I was bawling like a baby. In I the, love you, the 2000. Yeah. I was like, that's it's, what it means! In the, <laughs> final, in the final sequences and stuff of that movie. Um, also, the, the funeral uh, part oh, of yeah. that movie is pretty good. The callbacks to, of course, all the characters, but then also, like, they have the kid who is now grown up from Iron Man 3. Yeah. Um, that was a big support to Tony in that film. And to have him there and stuff that I thought was really, like, like I said, just great fan service throughout this whole entire film. Uh, hats off to the Russo brothers. Like those guys are mad geniuses. Yeah. Just that context to the, I love you 3000. Um, if you combine the runtime of all the MCU movies, from 1 through 22, it adds up to 3,000 minutes. Yeah. Well, there, there's a mind-blowing moment right there. I, I, did, I did see that. Yeah, it's like, what? They did the math. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. Uh, a couple of more items, obviously. Uh, I, 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 I love Smart Hulk. Uh, it, was, it was quite a surprise. I was like, wait, what? This? It wasn't as big a surprise as Fat Thor. Don't get me wrong. But Smart Hulk was pretty funny just because, I don't know, it's just weird to see, like, Banner and, like, acting like a fucking jock who thinks he's kind of, he's not full of shit, but he's like, I don't know. I don't but, know if that's even the proper description, but. Well, again, it's that it's that fan service. It's called back to that line of the comics where he, it, 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 they, and they show the struggle in Infinity War where he's trying to get the Hulk to come out in battle and it's like, no, nah, I'm good. I just had my ass handed to me by a, you know, Thanos and mm-hmm. I don't want to come out in the light of day. But it, and he's finally found that like yin yang harmony where he's meshed the two together to mm-hmm. perfect to where he's part Hulk, he's part Bruce Banner. And that they did that in the comic books really well. And I thought they did that fantastically for the movie. Um, I wish they, to me, honestly, I wish they would have done it a little bit sooner, but I think it was great for how they, for this type of a movie. Yeah. And then of course, uh, the, the climax of the big battle calling back to the first movie that started it all. I am Iron Man. Snaps his fingers, fucking, and once, once, even once, once the sh- the shock, which wasn't really a shock, that he got all the Infinity Stones into his gauntlet, um, you know exactly what's gonna happen because it charred the fucking Hulk, uh, so you understand that it's probably gonna kill Tony, and it does, um, yeah, that that part was was f- what a what a cherry on top, uh, to the battle. It's like. Everyone's getting their ass kicked. Fucking Captain Marvel got her ass handed to her by one by the Power Stone, um, which is probably more powerful uh, Infinity Stone than the Tesseract. 
Um, I just, yeah, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of different parts of the movie that I really, really uh, thought were cool. And even the callbacks to like the older movies, like even Doctor Strange kind of, the movie showed up kind of um, when they went to the Sanctum Santorum or yeah, that one. Um, and Tilda Swinton's character and showing up and then talking about like how this all works. Yeah. Anything else, uh, Stephen? You guys got anything else in regards to the end game? Just a just a small observation. Uh, I really didn't know how they were going to handle Iron Man's death, and obviously, they did it very well. But I want to commend them for not making it seem like such a surprise when it does happen, and having all the characters like be like, "Oh my God, Tony Stark! Oh, are you okay?" Like when Gwyneth Paltrow's character like comes in and she's she's already accepted his death as he's laying there and just like his sort of like sort of his face and how he's observing, you know, his friends, family, like for the for like the final time. It felt very raw in the way that most death scenes, especially in superhero movies, don't feel like. And it was just amazing direction and just amazing acting from uh, Robert Downey Jr. Um, I thought that that was the moment that I that I did tear up quite a bit. And then the previous moment was when Peter Parker comes back and he hugs Tony. You know, yeah. it, it was like 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 to me to me the dynamic between those two characters is is the heart of of this later end of the MCU in in my yeah. eyes. Yeah. Yeah, I I would agree with that. I really liked in the final moments when Tony is still alive where and to me I thought it was a good callback to the first Iron Man that a lot of other people didn't realize was instead of having Gwyneth Paltrow's character Pepper Potts come up to him first and it just be a scene with those two, they actually brought Don Cheadle up first which was Rhodes uh and of course because he was his best friend and he was like the start in the first Iron Man so I liked how they almost kind of started that scene with him where he was like kind of just nodding to him like hey we did it like it's okay that kind of thing um of course with you know Peter Parker after that you know bawling his eyes out and stuff to Pepper Potts and stuff that he was dying but yeah, overall, the battle sequence at the end of that movie is something that I wasn't expecting to a degree where I thought more on the lines that it was just going to be the some type of final stand down with the like, you know, the original Avengers or something. But the way they did that was a great call to the comic books. And I thought they they knocked it out of the park. Yeah. I enjoyed 10%. Yeah. I enjoyed the, the beginning of the fight as much as I enjoyed even bigger reveal. Um, just with the, the red, like the three, the three horses of the, of the, uh, the MCU, just Thor cap and Iron Man fucking taken out, trying to fucking fight Thanos. And even with three of them and he doesn't have an infinity gauntlet, they still, Pretty much couldn't take him out. Got their asses kicked to a degree. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, it's like crazy. I also 
the the one thing that I also noticed that I really liked too was actually in credits where they showed the the pictures of each of the six original mm-hmm. Avengers and their signatures. Uh, for me, that was a callback to. Now, don't Star quote Trek. me on this, but yeah, I think it was like the sixth Star Trek, which was the final one with the original uh, Star Trek cast. And they end that movie the same way where all of their signatures came up like as if they were writing it. And mm-hmm. to me, I thought that was like, you know, that really seals the deal that this is closing the book. And personally, like, yeah, they will probably make more movies or, you know, start a new phase to this universe. But if this was the last movie, I'd be happy with it. Like, I don't have to see any new movies for myself. Like, for yeah. me, this this is such a great ending that I don't I'm not thirsting for more. Like, yeah. you know, it, 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 it's beautiful how they did it. So, yeah, I'm in the same place where I'm like, OK, I have stuck with the MCU for 22 movies and Endgame is just the perfect closer. I don't need any more. And I anticipate I probably won't see any of the future Marvel movies, at least in their theatrical release uh, cycle. I'll I'll probably watch it like maybe afterwards and maybe catch up and maybe commit myself again. But to me, if I had to stop watching superhero movies or at least the MCU in general, Endgame would be like, the the one stopping point for me. Yeah, I agree, hundred percent. Yeah, it's totally understandable. Even though I'll probably still go see Far From Home, just because I'm a huge fan of Big Gyllenhaal. But that's that's just just my two parts uh, about that. Yeah, that's there's nothing wrong with that too. Like, I'm excited for some of the TV shows they have coming up. I'm kind of interested. Like, and in, in Endgame, you know, they pass the mantles off to certain characters. So we're projected to get a new Captain America. You know, Steve Rogers is, Mm -hmm. he's retired. Sam Wilson is, you know, in the batter's box. Now we have a new leader of new Asgard, which is the, um, it, it really opens up the, you know, to what they could do in the future and stuff. But, um, yeah, like I said, a great ending where it leaves you satisfied. Not like, you know, yeah, there are a few questions that you could start talking about um, grapes with the movie, but other than that, yeah, it just a bing up job. How they've done that. Yeah. Should Any we, should we start nitpicking what we didn't like about it, maybe? Or are we still in the sure. honeymoon yeah, phase? No, no, yeah, no. We, we can talk <laughs> about what we didn't like. Uh, let me think. I have a couple of gripes, but I, I want your guys' take. Um, um, I'll go first. Um, yeah, Mr. Gripe himself. <laughs> I thought that the scene where a sacrifice has to be made between Hawkeye and Black Widow was a bit hokey. Yeah. I was like, uh, they're trying to fight each other so that one can perform the self-sacrifice and save the other. It kind of fits with Black Widow's character because she always seems like the very, like, keep things close to, to her chest. And I, I, she, it, it might not have seemed like it at first, but, like, she holds tremendous 
scale to what happened in Infinity War. But to me, that doesn't really translate well, at least between both movies, because in Infinity War, I don't think she played that much of a major role. And even if she did, I don't see how she could have stopped the snap from happening. But again, it kind of plays into her character of being like this, you know, very secret agent operative that holds dark secrets within that she doesn't let people, you know, understand where she's coming from and what her past was all about. So for her to hold on to that and ultimately be like the, the sacrificial pawn makes sense, but the way it was executed, I thought was a bit, you know, ah. It was I have the same. I have the same feeling of that. Yeah, my girlfriend. I, I don't like to throw her under the bus too often, but uh, Juliet actually laughed at that part. <laughs> um, it was fucking hilarious. Uh, I could, I could agree with that though. Watching it, is, it as like, a second time, I was like, "God damn it!" It is pretty funny. It is kind of comical <laughs> like, in the on. sense of of how they do it. Yeah, it's, it's very Hollywood. You know, yeah. hooray for Hollywood type of a thing. Yeah, um, it was it was pretty. It wasn't. I, I mean, first watch, you're like, oh shit, okay. Second watch, I was like, yeah, that's pretty stupid. <laughs> I, I actually would have liked. Uh, I mean, they should have probably kept her alive. I think. I mean, I, I I get like, yes, we want Hawkeye to be with his family. Yes, all that stuff. Um, but I guess it would have been like even a bigger sacrifice, bigger meaning behind it for someone with a family to die rather than she has no family. Well, she should probably fucking die. (laughs) Yeah. Like it it makes sense for her to be one, uh, than Hawkeye. Cause again, I think Hawkeye, you know, having the family, he has something to live for and she doesn't. And in a way that's a bit of twisted love that she has with Hulk in that regard where like Hulk abandoned her and, yeah. I think that was also I, I agree with what you just said there Steve. the part where I think it was when the Red Skull talks to both of them and she says that she never knew her dad's name and when Red Skull says it I can't remember what she's the daughter of but um, oh, I, think uh... was, I think that was a call to that notion where you know Hawkeye has a lot more on the table or she doesn't even really know her past. And if this, if this time heist thing doesn't work, there is no real future per se. Like we're, you know, it would just still be in the realm. 50% of everything on the planet is gone. The universe mm-hmm. is gone. Um, so she was looking at it as the self-sacrifice. You know, it will, outweigh her being gone yeah i i think i think i mean i I wish it would have it makes sense that she was willing to die at the same time it would have made sense either way for me personally i think it would have been more impactful more of a moment if uh if hawkeye had killed himself maybe because it's just like wow he will never see his family again and he lost everything. And it was just, that would have been the captain on the tragic story for him. But at the same time, she has a very tragic story as well. So it was like, it could, I'm glad it was them to sort of, you know, like Thor and, 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 uh, 
Rat, ratchet? <laughs> no, um, rocket. <laughs> yeah. God damn it. Um, yeah. But yeah. Um, uh, yeah, another group ripe I actually have. Uh, I guess it served a very short purpose, but the dual... Um, what's fucking... Oh god, I'm turning into Steve when it comes to Game of Thrones names. Uh, Nebula. Dual Nebulas. Yeah. Uh, that was kind of cool. Like, she yeah. was, like, a plant. Okay, but then... I guess her menacing thing was the most menacing was bring his whole fucking ship to the future. Um, yeah, I don't... It was okay, and then, and then she just dies by getting shot by herself. And... Yeah. That's it. <laughs> like I didn't the, really... I didn't really like that whole scenario where, oh, her cyborg interface picked up the, you know, transmission from this other nebula and all that stuff. That to me was just like, you know, that's the thing when you you start messing around with the time travel kind of a thing. And of course, they they made the joke about, you know, well, this is anything like Back to the Future. And they're like, no, like they're looking at it from the point of view of like what time travel might actually like the ramifications of it, but they didn't do it that well. Um, but yeah, that whole scene where they're like, you know, watching the recordings of famous getting heads stuff. I was just like, I was like, did you really need to like, you know, it's just kind of, I don't know. It was just kind of pointless to me, but I think they could have done the exact same thing had they just cut out the whole oh thanks for the recording now we'll go to this planet they'd already found out where the fucking stone was could have gone to the planet and then had him show up like out of the blue and it's like oh fuck he actually knows and then they could have just cut the whole fucking thing out and then maybe maybe and then continue with okay the dual person like they just knock her out or like nebula dies like the old nebula and then, yeah, or the, uh, rather, like the future nebula dies. Maybe, maybe not. Don't you can keep it or leave it. And then, um, it's just hard to. Re- it's just really hard to speculate, like an alternative theory that, like, right. You know, they pretty much set it up to the point where it's like any other idea of that just makes it sound bogus than it actually is. Well, because no, they knew the location of the stone, they show up. At, what if they showed up like? Just as uh, Nebula and um, and War Machine were about to leave, and it's like, oh shit, there's Thanos. He he gets uh, War Machine gets away like he already did, and then Nebula gets like stunned right as she's trying to clock out, and then the same thing plays out pretty much. It's just yeah, I mean, it's, they do it, it a little bit differently. Yeah, it would be the same scene. It's just a different way. Yeah, just That's- the whole like the past. The, the the future recording is going to the past version of herself like that doesn't make any fucking sense like come on yeah <laughs> how would the past version have this recording this- yeah it's, it's it's a bit dumb um regardless of the execution of this particular subplot i am content with how they managed uh how with dealing with like the permanent deaths that occurred in infinity war that happened outside of the snap. So I'm talking about Loki, uh, Gamora in, in, in particular. So 
Gamora yeah. comes back, obviously her past self uh, or a different timeline. And now we know what the plot of Guardians Volume 3 will entail, at least, you know, fa- at face yeah, value. We're making it the as Guardians of the Galaxy. Which is, <laughs> yes. I'm perfectly fine with. Yeah, I'm fine. That's probably yeah. like the MCU movie I will be at the theater well, and for. That's, and that's that's another another call into continuing comic books that are going on right now. Um, but I think my I don't know the biggest. Well, it's not really like a gripe. It's just more of I would have liked to have seen how it was done, and you, I never know they, they might make a comic book series on it. But I want to see. Steve Rogers go on basically like a Lord of the Rings type quest to get all the stones back. Um, when he gives them back to the proper timeline there at the end where he goes in and he pops out and he's all old. Um, oh, do like a whole where we, how he got to where. Yeah. Cause I, I was kind of curious to see how he was going to get back. He just pops up and he likes red screen. And he's like, hey, how's it been? Like, you know, haven't seen each other since like the 40s, you know, that kind of a thing. Like, I was curious to see, like, I do not want this stone. Yeah, like, like, (laughs) oh, fucking take it, Elrond. Get the fuck out. (laughs) Because it does leave that, it does, it does leave that question kind of open. Like, yeah, he said that, you know, when he's all and stuff at the end, he says, you know, I, I, did what Tony said is, you know, get a life and, you know, live a life. But at the same time, it's like, well, did you do that the entire time? Or is there like, you know, like a five year, you know, chunk there where you were getting all these stones back, (laughs) you know, that kind of a thing. Um, But, and also like, see, that was the thing that uh, I saw from, I think it was one of the Kevin Smith podcasts that he does called fat man and beyond. Um, and the guy that he does that with was talking about a back to the future style timeline oh, was no. So, here, and this actually makes a lot of sense and actually would have been pretty cool. I think it's in winter soldier where Steve Rogers goes and sees Peggy Carter in the hospital. And she's, mm-hmm. she's like got dementia and she's dying. And She's talking about her husband and their kids. So what if the timeline that she is referring to is actually old Steve Rogers that we see in Endgame? Hmm. And it it's just that and plus with her dementia, she's going in and out, you know, not realizing that, oh, it's, you know, you're the same person that's been there all along. It's just in this infinite time loop type of a thing and interesting when they when they bring that up kevin smith like mike on bar and he's just like he walks away he's like like, oh my god my head my head is like destroyed (laughs) i Uh, haven't watched that episode yet so now i have looked at something yeah so like again Mm -hmm. they they negate that whole thing where it's like this isn't back to the future but if they were to do it just for that timeline i think would have done it justice to where that makes more sense of him going back and you've seen him dance with her at the end of Endgame and how that ended. Um, but yeah, it was kind of like a mind blowing when they said it. I was like, oh, that makes a hell of a lot more sense. So, hmm. Interesting. Yeah, that would make a lot of sense. 
Very satisfying ending to a very satisfying movie. Any last thoughts, gentlemen? Any um, last gripes? Any last compliments to the movie that we haven't already covered? I'm All just ready. Is this, that that is America's ass. That is America's ass. I'm yeah. ready to start the civil war. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> okay. Let me get well, my gloves on real quick here. Oh, Jesus Christ. Okay, so ladies and gentlemen, uh, we all individually ranked um, the 22 MCU movies, mm. and then we posted them on our Discord chat. And then I, I slowly but surely decided to lose my fucking mind. Um, in regards to what my two gentlemen here have decided to do, not so much with Steven, not so much with Steven. I think I don't I, even I, really have gripes with like any of your guys's list. Like, <laughs> there's a couple of little things that are iffy, to, but again. <laughs> If you want justification for my list, I will let you know. Okay. I will start. So, go for it. I, I would like yeah. to go individually and go through each of our lists just right. very briefly, and then we can, and then each of us can pick gripes out of each other. Uh, okay. We'll go through all same lists. You'll say your list. You'll say your list, and then we'll come back That's, and talk. L- yeah, no, no. Let's do it. One list is said, and then we comment. That way okay. it's more Fair enough. Yeah, Fair enough. That works. That works. All right. So. All right, Matt. What you I'll got? I'll start with mine. Um, my number one movie. No, no, no. Uh, start, from, start, start from the bottom. Right. Yeah, start, start from, from the bottom. All right. Um, 22. Number 22, I put Thor the Dark World. Understandable. Number 21, I put Ant-Man and the Wasp. Wasn't really I, my really good movie. See, I'm, I'm already having problems with this right now. <laughs> Jesus. I, I, continue, okay, continue. I, continue. I didn't watch it in the movies. I watched it on Netflix when it came out. It was okay. Uh, next is Ant-Man. What do you have against ants, man? Seriously, man. <laughs> what is this? A movie for ants? What did, um, what did Pim do to you? Jesus. I like Paul Rudd. He's a great guy. Actually, I should probably put... I think Incredible Hulk really should be before or before Ant Man. Oh, it's too late! It's too late! It's too late now. But the next movie is The Incredible Hulk. Wow. Then we have. No, well, no. I want to hear an explanation why you. I really do too. I really do too. Over Ant Man, Ant Man and the Wasp, and Thor: The Dark World, and Thor: The Dark World too. Like, oh, Matthew. Thor: Thor, The Dark World is not a great movie. I think we are. I love Thor. It, okay, fair, maybe. But uh, here's the thing. Just like a movie you guys put down below that you didn't see, I've only watched half of The Incredible Hulk. The first half or the second half? The, so then it, the, I watched the first half. So oh. then if, if it's a movie that you haven't seen bits and pieces of, it should be near the end. because You should can't, be near the end. Yeah. You can't I, give I, it I, justification. I, I mean, I've seen 95% of it. And, oh, like, okay. what's the guy Whoa. from Lie to Me? What's the guy from ah. Lie to Me? Um, it's also been a very long time since I've seen the movie. So I have a very small reference. That's another okay. reason why I put it. So I, I, I've, I've seen it maybe twice. <laughs> okay. In comparison to the rest of these, where I've seen them what, multiple times. What is one thing that you enjoyed about the movie? About the Incredible Hulk? Yes. The villain. Uh, what? Oh my god. 
well, mainly the premise of the villain, not necessarily how it was executed. Um, the abomin- abomination is probably the Incredible Hulk. Uh, class- it's a classic Incredible Hulk villain. Um, not very well executed. I really like the actor who portrayed it up until he became the fucking bad guy. Um, that's about it. All right, keep going. Okay. Uh, next, we have Thor. I really like Thor. Not as much as all the Thor movies, but I like Thor. It's better than Thor Dark World, in my opinion. Um, then we have Iron Man. I, I hear stifling. Uh, I, I, you don't next. even have to hear me. I'm just mentally thrashing you into the floor. <laughs> okay. Uh, next, I like uh, Iron Man 3. That's Number a reasonable 17. spot. Yep. Uh, I think Iron Man 3 was the weakest of the Iron Man movies. Um, no lies detected. <laughs> what are you fucking howl? Um, two thousand one Space Odyssey. I can't allow you to do that, Matt. You're gonna have to replace that movie with another one. No, no, um, I'm, I'm agreeing with you here. I'm gonna beat your door down like. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. The next what is thing? Iron Man Two. Shut the fuck up and get to the. <laughs> next one is Iron Man Two. I actually liked uh, the villain in Iron Man Two. Right. Well, I, I like you put one. that above Iron Man. But, oh my God! Okay. All right. All right. I hated the villain in Iron Man Three. What yeah. a stupid fucking asshole! It wasn't a good villain. It wasn't a good villain. What a weak. Okay, I don't even remember the actor's name. That's how much I didn't give a fuck. Um, the guy from Okay, yeah, he was good in that movie and a couple other movies. Actually, yeah, he's a good actor overall. But guess what? Iron Man 3 sucks a dick. Um, not necessarily the movie. I like Robert Downey Jr., but I was... The the bad guy is a piece of shit. <laughs> I would rather the, have guy, guy... The fake Pierce. bad guy is a better I bad would, guy than the... I would have rather had Guy Pierce as a villain than fucking Mickey Rourke. As drunk Russian dude, <laughs> I will take a drunk Russian dude any day he's, he's over dad, some guy. He's, he's pissed because his dad died of fucking pneumonia, and Tony Stark <laughs> took everything from his family. I would rather much see Guy Pierce Nicholas. As, Nicholas, as I just better. have, I just have, I just have three oh. words for you. Remember, no Russian. No. Yeah, exactly. No Russian. <laughs> no uh, Iron Man two. Is number sixteen. I haven't even gotten fucking halfway through. The- oh yes, I have. But no, 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 no I haven't. No, I fucking haven't. Okay, you're getting ready. I mean, grinder coming up here. So goddamn son. Oh. We have two more lists to read, and we have no more time. Uh, Iron Man two, number sixteen, number fifteen. Captain America: The Winter Soldier. I think it should be higher. Think about, it. but here, here it is. No, it's it's where it should be, in my opinion. Okay. Ah. Here's here's. I, I, I made a mistake. I made a mistake. No, Jennifer. come on, no. Once <laughs> no, it's, you can't. No, no it's you, it's can't, punch it. You no can't redact bullshit. Okay, <laughs> I put Captain America: The First Avenger at number fourteen. I I I would take redact this if I could, but uh, I can't. Uh, Guardians Galaxy Volume Two sits at number thirteen. I am surprised that actually is higher on your list. Based I really, on, based I really on. like. I like Guardians of the Galaxy as a whole. Um. I think Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 opens up a lot more uh, to what they can do coming forward. 
Um, Guardians of Galaxy number one hits number number twelve. Then we have the original Avengers at number uh, Avengers: Age of Ultron at number ten. Why do Why? you put the second Why? one? Why? Why do you put oh, the second geez. one af- ahead of the first one? Jesus. Um, <laughs> have you gentlemen seen the blacklist? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Not I'm entirely, but like the first two okay. seasons. I will say James Bader is one of the weakest parts of this film. Uh, Captain Marvel above Age of We will get there, motherfucker! (laughs) We will get there. We are number 10. That is number 9. We are number 10 right now. (laughs) Hold the fucking phone. Marvel at number 9. Hold the fucking phone. So. You you say fucking Bader. You haven't seen Captain Marvel. the Jude Law. Okay, uh, Jude Law isn't a fucking good bad guy in that movie. So I don't care. How about that? <laughs> Jude Law is is a, he's a great actor. I fucking love him in like uh, Sherlock Holmes. I love him in he's a lot of things. Shout out, shout to the young Pope on HBO. Just like, goddamn right. Um, the Gates. That's all he was good in. Oh, no. you need to fucking shit your face. Okay, so we'll talk about your fucking list in a minute. You're next. Um. So we have eight. I haven't gotten to this fucking list. Shut up. Eight, Avengers: Age of Ultron. Great, great. I like I like James Spader's voice. Uh, vi- we get Vision from this film. We get uh, Vision picks up fucking Thor's hammer. Good moment. We get teased that Cap can pick up his hammer. We get um, yeah, that's about it. Uh, Captain Marvel number nine. Okay, I saw the movie. You two fuckers haven't seen the movie. That's why I put. It <laughs> <laughs> That's my explanation for that. Uh, Spider-Man: Homecoming. I'm Batman. Um, but I'm actually a vulture. Get the. I actually like him as a villain in this film. Uh, Spider-Man gets his first really, really good movie. I like Sam Raimi's Spider-Man too, but I like this better. Uh, this opens up a few other things with Scorpion uh, being a villain. They tease that we get um, Miles Morales teased. I just slur that. I don't know. Um, we also Toby get McGuire still my Spider-Man. Okay, yeah, it's nice. I don't, like Toby. I, don't, don't get me wrong. Anyone says. Don't care what anyone says. Right. Um, where was I? Spider-Man: Homecoming. Iron Man's part of this fucking movie. Great. He gets Iron Spider suit. Fantastic. Um, it just opens up the Spider Verse for us. No pun intended. Next is Iron Man. Uh, the first. I know, I know, Nick. You have some problems with this being here. Um, continue, continue. I, I love Iron Man. Iron Man's my favorite Avenger. Yes, I said that. Um, and Iron Man Not is good. I don't <laughs> shut the fuck up. Okay. <laughs> The character is not just the the movies are are, are not necessarily representative of the character. Um, and so Iron Man's a great movie. Uh, I I kind of like uh, Obadiah Stane and how it's like the betrayal and it starts the whole universe uh, off from the beginning. So that's why I place it here. Captain America: Civil War, fucking great movie. Still have the poster right next to me on my wall. I really like the whole uh, reveal with Bucky killing his parents. God damn it, my computer decided to go... (sighs) 
the girl right. to bed. Hold up. No, no, no. Yeah, I went to sleep. Uh, <laughs> Captain America Civil War. Um, has a lot of good moments in it. Vision. Uh, you have a bunch of people fighting each other. The fight on the fucking tarmac's great. What did you fucking post on the... <laughs> I don't even want to look at that right now. Oh, damn. <laughs> oh, damn. Shots fired. Someone's posting some pictures on the, on the chat. Um, so we have Captain America Civil War. Uh, there's the introduction of Black Panther. Uh, fucking great character. I really enjoyed uh, the next film, which is the next list. Number five is Black Panther. Uh, Good spot. Whack Panther. That's fucked up. Um, <laughs> Black Panther is a great fucking film. Uh, no, that had nothing to do with Black Panther. That's just. It, it has something. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. About it that. has something to do with. Uh, you just think <laughs> Black Panther's a bad movie? I don't know, Nick. It's a great fucking movie. It's essentially. You take. You take. Lion King, cut out the Mufasa dying, which. Civil War, you put it here and then you fucking give them some badass fights and uh, are you literally trying to compare Lion King to a I mean the father dies, the son has to take over the throne, Uh, he is challenged by another family member that is kind of from an uncle, but it's his cousin uh Timon and Pumbaa. His sister is obviously Timon. <laughs> oh my God. And Pumbaa is Mbaku. I mean, come on now. <laughs> right, we have gone down a... We've gone down a... Wakanda a hole. Yeah. Have we gone in a hole? I mean, come on. It's very, I mean, shit. Lord of the Rings. <laughs> Wait, what, what's the, what's the uh, other movie that's compared to Lion King? It's Spider-Man? Spider-Man's like fucking... Not really, there's a kingdom to rule over. But you get what I'm trying to say. Long story short, I love Black Panther. Fucking amazing film. Next, Doctor Strange, number four. Why? Because it's fucking visually sounding film. From when fucking Tilda Swinton hits Cumberbund in the fucking chest and throws him through the multiverse of fucking places. And then we just get this, this visually fantastic film that makes everything change um i mean without doctor strange we don't get the whole time stone we don't get the the we don't get the subtitle of endgame we don't get endgame there you go (laughs) don't get a lot of shit uh thor ragnarok gets spot number three what a fucking change of events for thor um without thor ragnarok we don't get fat thor plain and simple we don't get uh the change of pace for thor we don't get a refreshment out of the last number on this list that is why there's a such a big space between the thor films on my list next avengers infinity war not like not easy to explain and next avengers endgame at number one because goddamn, i fucking love that movie i've seen it twice i'm gonna see it a third time i might see it a fourth time it's gonna beat fucking avatar Worldwide. Uh, but that's a different argument for a different time. Yeah, we'll talk about that later. Yeah. Who wants to go next? Well, I'll I go think last Nick because go- I oh, you pussy. I'm going to take the post. <laughs> so. Okay. Save the, save the best for last. All right. Ready your, objectin- your objections. All right. At number 22, I have 
Incredible. The Credible Hulk? Sorry, what? The Incredible Hulk. Okay. Have you seen that movie? Yes, I have. Okay. It was complete shit. I kind of wish I didn't see it. That's why you put it at number 22. Gotcha. Yep. Number 21, a movie I haven't seen, Captain Marvel. <laughs> a movie you haven't seen. I get why you yep. put it at 21. Yeah, it makes sense. It's above a movie that I wish I haven't seen. <laughs> <laughs> he, still, he still has hope. He still has hope. Exactly. I had more hope than you, motherfucker. I put it at number 19. Oh, well. Yeah. All right. My number 20, Captain America, the first, first Avenger. Nicholas. Dude, I'll allow it. Let me preface by saying that all the Captain America films scored lower because in general I just don't like Captain America as a character. Okay. So, if okay. you give valid reason. reason to it. Yeah. I have yeah. no problem with it. Okay. The the Winter Soldier, I, I mean a lot of people put it in the top three of the MCU. I almost fell asleep watching it. So I don't know. Okay. It's personal preference. Uh, okay. Number 19, Iron Man 3. Uh, I think Understandable. They really fucked up the Mandarin. Um, yeah. And yeah, that was like the one thing I was like, oh, yeah, it's going to be so cool. The Mandarin's going to be the main villain. And then, nope, turns out it's Guy Pierce as the human torch, apparently. So. And then there's a side thing with All Hail the King where there's an actual third Mandarin, which never came to fruition. Because they realized, oh fuck, we fucked up. Yeah, it was a <laughs> it was a play at subversion that flat in my eye. Um, number eighteen, Avengers: Age of Ultron. Again, just a reoccurring theme of just the villain sucking ass. Um, ah, such a waste. Um, Vision was boring in my opinion. Um, and just that whole dynamic between him and Scarlet Witch just didn't really. Yeah, that did make too much sense. It, it just felt very fake, in my opinion. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I don't have no heart. Um, 17, Iron Man 2. Uh, this one I thought was okay. It had its moments, as Matt mentioned, with the villain being marginally better. But at the same time, it's not a movie I could give immense praise towards um i did really like that the scene with uh tony stark's dad uh with the hologram mm-hmm. i think it was in this movie right the no, it's an old it's an old yeah, like yeah uh, it's like a film it's yeah. an old film, film reel where yeah. he talks directly to him the yeah. hologram you're talking about is civil no is it infinity War? with the I, with where you get young uh, Iron Man. Young oh Tony yes, Stark. yes. That's that was a whole. That was a whole different thing. Yeah, right. It was like a simulated presentation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, showing that off at like MIT. Right. So the that standout moment to me makes Iron Man a bit better than Iron Man three in my eyes. Next one is sixteen Spider Man Homecoming. Uh, I thought it was fine. I thought the villain Vulture was okay. In general, the only thing that really saves the movie is really Iron Man and his involvement in, to, to some capacity. I just found it very cookie-cutter as the first foray for Spider-Man. Again, I ha- I don't have any hate against the actor. I think the actor did a good job at presenting the more comical, you know, younger side of Peter Parker than what Toby did. But 
I don't know. It, it just didn't really grab me in the way that I thought it would. No one can beat Defoe. Exactly. Number 15, <laughs> Captain America, the Winter Soldier. Uh, as I mentioned, I almost fell asleep. I had no emotional connection to most of the characters, and I understand that's not what it's kind of trying to do, but with the way that uh, Steve Rogers has commitment to sort of saving his friend Bucky throughout, I just wish it was there for me, and ultimately it just didn't land at all. Explain I just don't know yourself. why. I, I just don't know. It's just, it's just, no, a, no, no. It's, it's this anti Captain America bias that I have. Uh, it, I just don't. I, I just, I, I jumped the gun on my statement. So your next movie, <laughs> the controversial one, fourteen Thor: The Dark World. Explain yourself. Um, I agree that it's a shit movie. It should probably okay. be way lower. I, oh, but you have to explain why it's here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, but I kind of like Thor: The Dark World because it gave us more backstory and sort of more world building for Asgard as a whole. That really felt like if they could have spun it off as a TV show, it could have worked. And I think I like the potential of that world building more than the movie itself. Um, and maybe that's why it's a bit higher on the list than it should be. But I kind of liked it in general. I thought the Thor movies would be like the ones that I really would not like, but it turned out to be like almost a complete opposite for me with the Captain America films. Uh, number 13 is Iron Man. Um, I have why so with, low. I have reps with the villain. Um, I think the second act is inferior to the first act. Uh, the first half of the movie was really great. Just seeing him, Tony Stark, out of his element, out of his typical billionaire environment and in the caves and just trying to survive using his ingenuity and smarts. They kind I of build him up like Batman. Yeah, yeah, that's one of the suit. He has to make a suit. He has to kind of hard. Right. Hard place. Yeah. Yeah, that's why I said number 13. Number 12, Captain America War. This is a Captain America film that I like, but not because of Captain America. Um, this is really just sort of like the prelude to Infinity War. And I have some reservations with what the ultimate, like how 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 they played out the motivation for the villain at the end turned out to be. Um, I kind of like how it, he was kind of like a nobody for the most part, but it kind of felt a bit contrived in the way where it's like, can this dude really like force the Avengers to fight each other in that way? And again, maybe it plays to his strength as a, a nobody villain. And maybe that was the point. But to me, it felt a little bit, you know, incongruent with like the scope of what the Avengers is supposed to represent. Um, 11 Thor Ragnarok. Uh, this is another fan favorite that's way higher on many lists. And the reason I don't put it that highly is because I did not find it that funny. Really? Yeah. I feel like most of the jokes didn't land for me. And maybe because, maybe because I just didn't get the in-universe context or the out-of-context 
Uh, when did you start watching? Did you see this movie before or after the first Avengers? The the first Avengers, which one? Did you see this movie before or after you saw the first Avengers film? After. Okay. He still didn't get the jokes. No, because the, there was this, I guess, time gap where I haven't seen it. And I was marathoning most of the movies in preparation for Infinity War. Okay. So I still had the Avengers on my mind, but I guess I just wasn't really paying attention to most of the jokes, which again, I'm sure it, it would place higher if I did get them. Right. Um, number 10, Ant-Man and the Wasp. This one I have seen recently. Uh, prior to watching Endgame. Um, I found it to be pretty average, but I think Ant-Man and to a greater extent Guardians of the Galaxy represent what the MCU does well, which is it's sort of like comedy um, and its character moments and how they are self-aware of those, you know, making fun of each other. Uh, so I think that's why I place Ant-Man uh, so highly, because when I think of the MCU, I think of, of Guardians and Ant-Man. Number nine, I have Thor, the original Thor. This one, I was surprised uh, because I found it to be more funny than I initially thought. I don't know why. Really? But yeah, it, it, it's weird. It's really fucking weird. Um, number eight, Ant-Man, the original. Uh, I think it's a pretty decent origin story. It's very self-contained, which I like. Uh, number seven, we have the Avengers. Again, no need to explain. I think this is like a good stepping point towards building the larger uh, saga as a whole. Number six, I have Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Now, why do you like this one so much? Volume 2? I know I like it a lot, but why do I, you like it a lot? I actually did not like it as much as I do now, but I think over time and having done a rewatch, I think that the second half of the movie is pretty bad, like the climax and how everything just sort of like, you know, plays out with like the villain and like, Oh, you know, daddy again, like, Oh, I haven't seen this before, but I think the reason why it plays well is because uh the sacrifice that uh Riker's character makes at the end. What's his name? Mary Poppins. Mary Poppins. Oh, Mary Poppins. Gondu. Gondu. Yeah, yeah. That like that scene was just pretty damn emotional and I wasn't expecting it to be honest. Um yeah. and so that's why it's on the list. Number five is Avengers Infinity War. Uh in comparison to Endgame, it's the inferior for obvious reasons, but I do like the sort of dread that comes when we have a fully sort of matured Thanos who has gone through hell just to get all the stones, just come and wreck shit. Um, number four, Doctor Strange, as you mentioned, Matt, a lot of it is mostly with the visual representation yeah. of, you know. Fucking great movie. It's just exceptional uh, in so many ways. Very mind-bending. The bad guy could have been better, but... 
Yeah, yeah, obviously. Uh, number three, Black Panther. This is when I saw this in theaters, I was sort of expecting it to be pretty decent based on the critical reviews, but I was just like as astounded at how connected I was to each of the characters, like motivations, especially the villain. I think this is a top tier MCU villain. Um, his motivations were fairly clear. And in many ways he won at the end, which I found very eye opening, like with, with his ideal to open what, what Wakanda up to the world. Um, and I thought it did very well. I do agree with Nick's assertion that in general, the black Panther character is a bit diminished as a result. Um, but I feel like hopefully with like the sequels and the upcoming MCU movies, they kind of give him his time of day and hopefully he won't be as overshadowed as a result. Number two, guardians of the galaxy. When I think, I think movie, let's just full stop. Guardians represents like the best, uh, like just represents the best at the tone and the lightheartedness that the MCU has been trying to transition to like midway through its cycle and just embracing its funny moments and Guardians nails that completely. And then obviously we have Endgame at number one, which we already went through why it's why it's at the very top. Yeah. Such a great fun movie deserves to be at the top. But some people think it needs to be at number three. All right, here we go, Nick. All right. Good, sir. I respect your list, Steve, and I also respect yours, Matt. (laughs) I don't fucking believe you. (laughs) In a sense. So just a quick thing. There is one movie on this list that I haven't seen. That is Captain Marvel. Yeah. Um, So starting out with number 22, I put Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. To me, it fell initially flat coming as a sequel to the first Guardians. Uh, the way that it started, it just, I didn't, I didn't get in tuned with it. I thought the whole backstory with his dad and the whole, like, it, to me, it just was, I think, dropped. The script was kind of screwed. That is, again, my opinion. You guys put it at higher spots than I did. Um, But to me, the only two things that I liked about that movie was the evolution and demise of Yondu's character and also Baby Groot. That was the only thing that I cared about for that movie. Um, Number 21, The Incredible Hulk. Again, probably one of the most lackluster... Marvel movies. I love Ed Norton, but I don't think he was a good idea for the Bruce Banner character. Um, there were some really good action scenes in that, plus also the ending scene where Tony Stark comes in and tells, you know. Yeah, it's the one that connects it. Yeah. That's why it's there. Um, number 20, of course, Captain Marvel. Haven't seen it. I still want to see it, but seeing and but but like also hearing from what you've told me, Matt, and also from some other people that have seen it, and also seeing what Captain Marvel did in Endgame, 
doesn't really hold up to what she was in comics with this timeline. So that's why I didn't, I wasn't like over. I mean, two scenes versus a whole movie. I think there's a big difference. Even with the whole, I was more excited when they teased Captain Marvel at the end of Infinity. And then when they heard the, they showed the first couple of trailers of Captain Marvel. Eh, like it's yes, it's in the universe, but uh, to me, as far as for a standalone film, it just didn't really pique my interest. So, hmm. um, number nineteen for the Dark World. Um, yes, it's not the best written movie. Um, they focused in on things and that, like you know, the whole trying to evolutionize the love story between Thor's character and then Natalie Portman's character, but kind of like what Steve said with um, visually, visual graphics, set design, and that kind of stuff. Also, they they did harken back to some things that were teased in Thor 1, so I liked how they carried those on or tried to complete them to a degree, but overall lesser of the Thor movies that have come out. Um, Ant-Man and the Wasp at number 18. Um, I thought it was a decent sequel to Ant-Man. I love Paul Rudd as Ant-Man and all the characters that they incorporated in. Uh, When they brought back uh, the Wasp's mom into into the whole, you know, scenario and that kind of stuff, I thought it was Itself. Um, so that's why it's a little bit lower on my list. Uh, number seventeen is Black Panther. Here comes the fire. So I, I want to so, know. I want to so know why. Here, let me let me say my piece here. So, shout out to Ryan Coogler who directed this, who is local alumni from Sacramento State. Hell of God a director. Right. Hell of a director, and he did a great job with this movie. However, in my opinion. I like the setting of this movie. I liked how they incorporated Afro-American culture into it, where it's half tribal, but also has the futurist and tech to it. I like how they hearken to where Killmonger's origins come from, where he is a young punk kid on the streets of Oakland and his, you know, dad's demise and stuff with being kind of the rogue Wakandan outside of the Wakandan home. To me, there are great parts of the movie, but then there are other parts that I just felt like, eh, like they were, they fell flat. I love those Kills. parts. Um, the whole uh, casino scene and the car chase, that was kind of, it, again, it wasn't to me like that impactful Marvel-esque stuff that I'm used to. It's more James uh, Bond. I think that yeah. was the point. Yeah. yeah, but again, Black Panther in the comic books isn't James Bond. Like, and that's to me, it, it shows a lot because everybody was so super surprised when Black Panther got dusted in Infinity War. They could have easily had taken out his the one general, uh, general's character, the the chick, and kept Black Panther as a dynamic character for the game, but they didn't. And I think that shows with the mixed diverse ridicule and also 
praise for Black Panther. I think, I, I think Black Panther stands alone, in my opinion, but I don't think well, if you can get a dust away the other. No, to a degree. Uh, like I said, there's different parts of the movie that I liked, but there's other parts that I feel it just fell flat. And to to see where they carry it on from here would be interesting to see. But again, that's why I put it where I put okay. it. Uh, okay. One question. Uh, as someone who's not really a big comic book reader, uh, what aspects of the comic book version didn't translate well to the silver screen? I just feel like overall, I mean, yeah, they did show to a degree Black Panther being a badass, but I feel like they almost kind of made him like like an accessory. His his character it, as a person without the suit was more weak feeling. When he put on the suit, you know, you know, he was the Black Panther, and he's pretty much indestructible because it's a suit that protects him. In the comic book. The dude was first and foremost like a badass beefed out warrior that then got this mantle of taking over and that kind of stuff. And it just made him like Captain America-esque as far as like a super soldier in a way. So Mm. I feel like Chadwick Boseman's character, they kind of like in some areas and stuff, wimpified him a little bit to give it like the drama, you know, aspect to the movie. My so opinion, I, there's a whole fucking fight scene they have in the same area that he gets his ass beat that exemplifies him as a badass. No, but I know. I'm, that I'm saying, just though, me. saying, though, the way that I felt that his character was portrayed and stuff was, uh, to me, I, I just didn't really care for it. Yeah, so. one can argue that his character is being seen as like a diplomat in civil war, I guess hampered or is the reason why you think he suffers mm. character development in black. Yeah, Panther. I can in civil war, but I don't necessarily see it in this film, but that's just my opinion. So like, I, I can understand why they Bozeman for like also being down, the, like the accent and the type of the, the tribal culture that they wanted to do with that. But in my opinion, if they would have, um, Casted Michael B. Jordan as the Black Panther in a different arc, he would have been freaking great. But he was great as Killmonger. But yeah. again, to me, that was that again my opinions. So yeah, um, I think was, oh yeah, I I think I halfway agree with like yes, he has an arc in Black Panther, uh, but he is diminished by Killmonger's performance, like just in general. Yeah. Killmonger steals that entire movie. Yeah. Like, and, and it's almost like the dark Knight. Yeah. That was the reaction with a lot of people was they were like, yeah, black Panther was this Killmonger dude. Like you could have kept him going for a couple of movies, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I agree with you, Steve, like the whole, you know, the Joker stole the show. Yeah. Dark Knight. And Dark Knight is uh, number one in my book, so that's all yeah. fine and dandy for me. It <laughs> was uh, number sixteen, Doctor Strange. I don't fucking understand why. So I have you, I, you, thought, I, I see no fucking explanation in the slightest why Doctor Strange gets fucking bleached in his fucking throat. He put it down as fucking number sixteen. You waterboarded the son of a bitch down to sixteen. Explain. Okay. Visually. 
the movie is spectacular. All the different, uh, you know, where they're flipping around through the different panels and that kind of stuff. That is epic. To me, the whole lead up to him becoming Doctor Strange was just, again, it fell flat for me. Yeah, he's this pompous doctor that has, like, you know, the best hands in the world and stuff. They tried to set up this, like, love story with the chick that is a nurse. Bezaridis. Rachel McAdams. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and all that other stuff. I felt like his journey to find the, you know, the order and that kind of stuff kind of fell flat for me. I liked the part where he was training and how he was learning. Um, I didn't really care for the villain in that movie. I thought he did good as far as like what they were trying to get across in the story. But to me, yeah, I, I love the actor. He's a great actor. Um, I can't think of his name now for the while. Um, Mads Mikkelsen. Yeah, there you go. Um, I, again, I just thought it just kind of fell flat for me. So that's where I put it there. Why um, do we fall, Mr. Bruce? So we can land at number 16. <laughs> it was uh, 15, Ant-Man. Um, I really loved Ant-Man when it came yeah. out. I thought the the idea of it was great and how they executed it. Of course, like the yeah, battle sequence at the end where they're fighting on the very creative. train, you know, mm-hmm. miniature and that kind of stuff. That was super creative. Um, again, not the strongest story, but I think they really tried as a standalone to, to, you know, incorporate more dynamic to it. Yeah. And you see that a little bit more in Ant-Man and the Wasp, but I, I think it felt like they're I've always, Ant-Man. Yeah, I've always felt Ant-Man has a very cookie-cut origin story, but it has enough charm that kind of makes it a bit higher. Yeah, and I liked how they did that, where they incorporated, like, all of his ex, you know, like, con buddies and stuff into it. Yeah. And yeah. that gave it, I think, a little bit more depth. Um. Number 14, Spider-Man Homecoming. Out of all of the adaptations of Spider-Man that has been on a cinema screen, I'm a fan, of course, of the original three with Tobey Maguire, because that's what I grew up with. Yeah. I think um, this new Spider-Man is great. Uh, I'm blanking on his name right now. Tom, what's his last name? Tom Holland. Holland is a Holland. Tom Holland. Uh, <laughs> I think so. Yeah. Yes. Great, great choice for portraying a young Spider-Man. Um, I liked how they incorporated the little bits with Iron Man, you know, trying to get him to start like pushing him to eventually he will become an Avenger, and how Iron Man was kind of a father figure to a degree. Um, I thought the villain in that movie was pretty good, and also all of the other, you know, where they can go from it with here. I'm interested to see how Homecoming comes out and how Jake Gyllenhaal does with um Mysterio. Mm-hmm. So, um, but overall, it, a decent script. But again, I'm a I'm a huge fan of the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man. So again, my own personal preferences. 
number 13 is a solid movie. Um, it kicks off his arc pretty good, but again, for and that movie was extremely just raw, straight edged, just let's beat everything down. And I like how Thor has progressed in the other movies as it's come along. Uh, number 12, Iron Man 2. So it's no, you know, thing to you guys, but I'm a huge Iron Man fan. Iron Man 2 was a good film. I liked the idea behind it and how they tried incorporating different things from the comic books. I wasn't a huge fan of Mickey Rourke's character and his whole electric dance <laughs> that he does on the Grand Prix of Monaco. Um, <laughs> I was, to me, that was just kind of like, I was, you know, eh, it was the thing. The best thing about that movie is the tag team with Iron Man and War Machine in the garden at the Stark Expo yeah. where they're fighting all the military drones. Yeah, that, that's pretty cool. In fight sequences for the Marvel movies is up there near the top. Like it, it kind of quiet. You just hear the rawness of what's going on, you know, destroying a metal and stuff. So overall, that's one of the reasons I put Iron Man two where it was at. Now, um, how in the purple grimace fuck? <laughs> so again, so number eleven, Avengers: Infinity War, great movie. However, it didn't give the same feeling and emotion to me as all of the other Avengers films do, including the newest one, Endgame. <laughs> there, to me, it again it expands the story arc with Thanos, him getting the stones. I guess Matt's Matt's destroying his room. Uh, yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. Can I can I finish here, Matt? To our Matt angry. Fingers. Okay. Oh my god. <laughs> I will commend the bold choice at number eleven. I, I will commend the bold choice. I feel you just like it for your nihilistic no. bastard ass. No. I feel I feel like it's. It brought a lot of things together. Of course, you have the giant snap. I, however, felt that because they split up the characters into two battles, where you have some core characters fighting Thanos, you have the other core characters fighting this giant army in Wakanda, and then at the very end, for like 20 seconds, they all kind of come together in to a degree, except Iron Man and Nebula. Um, but one of my favorite parts of that entire movie is where Rocket and Rick bolt in after he gets the the new Stormbreaker. Um, but yeah, to me, I just feel like it's to me, it's just one of the lesser Avenger esque movies, even though there is a lot big even cinema climax to it. My my understanding makes no fucking sense for what you put above this. You put Iron Man three. We'll get to it. But I see Avengers: Age of Ultron and no, Iron me, Man three above. <laughs> yeah, let me let me finish here. I'll let okay. you finish. Number ten. This is my top ten now. Number ten for Ragnarok for the sole purpose of them expanding Thor's character to have comedy and also other aspects of. 
you know, they took him away from the whole Asgard, you know, just defending Asgard and doing something with a planet that's attacking Asgard. They're, you know, they take him to the trash planet and he, you know, he runs into Hulk. That creates that dynamic between those two characters and then also adds the new characters. I love Jeff Goldblum in that movie. Excellent movie, in my opinion. Um, Number nine, Captain America, the Winter Soldier. I really like this one because it brings more backstory to Bucky's character. They didn't just like, you know, oh, Bucky fell off a cliff in the first Captain America movie. That's it. You know, he's he's done. He's toast. Um, I like how they brought some things to closure. I like how they introduced Sam Um, And you get to see a little bit more of how Captain America is getting along in his new world per se. Like, you know, he's in an America that he doesn't know. And they show that where he like writing down different types of music to listen to and that kind of stuff. So I liked how they, they made that transition. Plus some of the fight sequences in that movie is really spot on for me where he's like, you know, they're bashing through the apartment complex and all German uh, GIGN Special force troops are just getting their asses handed to them. I really like that. Um, I, okay. What? Okay. What's your gripe? I just to understand how Infinity War is below that. <laughs> to me, to me, I liked it better. You prefer that, character just, stories in comparison to big epic masterpieces. Yeah, because because and not, that's the and that's the right way to go at it. Yeah, because here's yeah, the thing. Yes. If if you are only in cinema for the giant Michael Bay esque oh, battles and explosions. I'm not. You're not really focusing in on what cinema truly is. But Avengers has Avengers Infinity War solid. To a degree, there's a couple. There's a couple parts, but most of it is for Infinity Wars. You could show me the last half hour of that movie, and I'd be okay with it because that's what you're really in your seat for is for that battle sequence. You're not in there to, you know, Oh, how are we going to, how's he going to get the stones? Even then they, they fell flat. Like they could have easily had done that. Uh, to, to me, they could have done it in different ways. So I, I think the reason why <laughs> infinity war is in general, I think deserves higher praise is more so the development of Thanos as a character. I feel like he is a main character of Infinity War. And they needed that. that extra time to develop his character and for the part they succeeded in ways that I didn't think they would. Especially with his relationship with Gamora, with Nebula, and really just like bringing this authentic... He truly believes in the genocidal <laughs> tendency that he wants to convey to the universe for whatever, you know, goal of preserving resources is, you know. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that, that his character gets more dynamic as it goes along. To me, though, it just, again, my own opinion here, I've said that a lot. Oh, I know, don't worry, we're just, okay. we're yeah, just no. busting your balls, don't worry. Oh, yeah, no, I know that totally. Uh-huh. Uh, but you keep apologizing. I'll wait till number seven, it's okay. <laughs> number eight, Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, because I feel that movie broke the mold on how Marvel movies are kind of made to a degree. I liked how 
it had more comedy aspect. It was more vulgar to degrees of, you know, what these characters were and the story for that, how they set that up, I thought was very good. And of course the soundtrack of that movie makes fantastic that movie completely. Um, Okay, so here's the one where I think Matt's gonna go into fucking it again. I just want to. Uh, I just want to hear number seven. I, I get this. Number seven, Iron Man three. So for me, I am a huge fan of the director of Iron Man three, Shane Black. He was in the first Predator movie, and he did a couple of the other Predator movies. He did a bang up job. This movie ends Tony Stark's solo movie timeline to a degree where it's just iron man is the principal title and i think they did that very well yes the mandarin kind of a screwed up character but i see where, what they were going with where guy pierce was the actual mandarin they used ben kingsley as a actor which they should say that in the movie to and strike allow me to make fear. a point hold on let me finish in strike fear into the people of the world or whatever they were directing their action towards the whole reason they did the Mandarin and the whole, uh, little inhalers that were giving them the like superpowers and stuff. The meth pipes was because at that time they were doing the same thing in the agents of shield show. So they wanted to try to follow the lines connectively and get more people to go see Iron Man. And to follow that track line. Um, I liked it also because you had Tony Stark going through his dark times as far as like the PTSD. That's where he built all of the different variants of his suit, uh, including the first mock-up of the Hulkbuster suit to counteract if the Hulk was ever needing to be contained. Um, you get to see Pepper Potts in a suit which starts the arc for a character in the comic books known as Rescue, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, and that battle scene at the end where he's controlling all the bots, and I thought was really good. I also like how they ended that, where he gets miniature arc Stark reactor pulled out of his chest, and, of course, his mansion is totally destroyed, but he it's kind of like a moving on point to what's to come. So that's why I like Iron Man three. Now, what was your, what was your counter argument? Number one, they retcon the Mandarin short film that takes place later down the line. So technically Guy Pierce was never the Mandarin. He was just a pretender. Like his pretender was pretending for him. Um, that's just one point. That's one side point I have. Uh, okay. I think Tony's dark times could have been fleshed out way fucking more in this film. <laughs> kind of like they are in Civil War. Kind of like how they are. I mean, it's even fucking more dark in Age of Ultron. I, I don't remind me. Is Age of Ultron take place before or after this movie? Before. Before. So I they believe. do a way better job down the line dark times yeah, and they they slowly piece it together over the movies they're not going to all do it in just one movie right right i'm not asking course, that i'm just saying could have been better executed okay um I, I can see that pepper Potts has like no fucking character arc in this 
take on. Other, I mean, yeah, sure, she gets her suit on. Cool, I guess. I, I'm. I mean, I'm not. I, I guess that's okay. And then I think the only thing good thing about this whole film is that you get the whole thing that Tony Stark proof that Tony Stark actually has a heart. <laughs> That is probably one of the best parts of this movie. Um, other than that, I also like it because Tony Stark, the the interaction that he has with the kid, crash lands. Okay, cool. See, I do like that. That was good. I also like how they make it to where this is the first time Tony Stark has to kind of rely on his wits and some of his other stuff because the suit is damaged. So there's fighting with like maybe like a glove or something from his suit, but he's not truly Iron Man until like near the end where he, you know, Dave, he does the skydive scene where getting all the people from the, from air force one that's been shot down and okay. That's cool. So all that stuff. Um, all I gotta I say is just the, one iron, thing. the whole, the whole iron Patriot thing was kind of bogus to me, but again, yeah. they were, they were pushing that. That was like a little, you know, thing from the one, comics, one thing. But... One thing I gotta say before before you do anything, uh, Stephen. I gotta say, Aldrich Killian, which is the fucking guy Pierce's goddamn name in this movie. Um, what the fuck? His motivation is probably one of the little bitchiest motivations ever. Yeah, I'm not saying that he was. In the entire... I'm not. Saying, I'm not I, I said that. I, he's yeah. not a great villain. But again, he's probably worse villain. I can see what they were, what they were trying to do with it. Right. So I just I don't understand how you put. I. I don't get how you put Black Panther at seventeen and you put Iron Man oh number God. seven. I'm just saying the order. These movies, yes, they have good points, but the order in which you put the movies makes no fucking sense whatsoever, in my opinion. But that's just me. All right. Can I say okay. my piece about Iron Man three? Go for it, man. This is going to be like the smallest of nitpicks, but that scene that you described, Nick, where he has to fight without the in that suburban town and things oh, start going to God. shit, the power scale of that fight is so fucking ridiculous. Like those guys that could blow up like half a block don't just mm-hmm. immediately just kill him right there and then. That scene is so oh, no. out of whack. Oh, I was no, like, I, this is so dumb, dude. That's that's where the movie lost me right there. I agree. There is some some Hollywood esque comical stuff to it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, those are great critiques of it. Yeah. So, um, shit, where are we at here? Number six. It almost certainly um, makes sense. What? Nothing. I said you could almost say they make sense. <laughs> Well, no, I like, I agree with them to a yeah. again the, the the reason why I put it there. Um, Captain America: Civil War at number six. Um, I love the arc of that movie and the big battle sequence at the end where you get to see all of your favorite superheroes come together and grudge match each other. Um, I thought it was really good. The dialogue with that the comedic timing with certain scenes of that movie. I really enjoyed it. So that's where I put it there. Team Stark all the way. What? Okay. Hold up. Okay. I agree. There's a good dynamic with this side against this side. 
when you say you bring all your fucking favorite heroes, I guess maybe Grudge <laughs> Matt. I, I meant that in a it's sense more that personal. Yeah, everybody. Okay. Yeah. Has yeah. has a like a fight with their own kind of favorite. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like I it wasn't that. just Captain America and Iron Man. Like there were other ones, you know, beating the living shit out of each other per se. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So. That's why I said that. I'm not meaning like. I actually can't bitch because we put the movie at the same place in the <laughs> setup. There so. we go. Something to agree on. Except for I put um, Infinity way fucking ahead of it, but it's okay. Number right. five, Avengers: okay. Age of Ultron. Okay, that's. Um, mm. I like I Age of Ultron because, to me, it was again. I like the way that near the in the Battle of Sokovia, where they have all of them together in a straight up starting to this wreck house. I like that. That is my what, what one of the things that I like because again it the comic books. I thought Spader as the villain was good because the way that Ultron was birthed <laughs> where it was kind of a he started as a child per se and it was like he was going through the stages of trying to become human at the near the end of it where he you know, that was his whole thing was to wipe it out and start clean slate with him so i like that aspect of it i liked how they created vision and how that was a combination of stark banner and the the stone and yeah there's problems with the movie that i didn't care for some of it was slow in places, uh, the dy- trying to bring the dynamic along with Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver was a little funky in places. I did wish that Quicksilver was still around. I really liked his character. Uh, so, yeah. Okay. Who's first? Uh, okay. You really like the battle scene. Yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. I like how. I like what the how, fuck? Hold up. Wait, wait, Matt. Before you go on, I like how each is involved climatic epic battle at the end. Exactly, and you made the exact same argument. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> you just I said that's why you didn't I like your. I literally okay. couldn't hear a thing. Hold on. Let, let me just repeat myself. The same exact argument you made against Infinity War, <laughs> you just used to defend Age of Ultron. I don't understand. No, you missed what I said about Infinity War. In Ultron, they are all together fighting. Okay. In Infinity War, they are split. That dynamic of it being the Avengers is not there for me. That's why I deduced that to where I put that. Okay. Counter argument is the reason why they're split is to give more credence to Civil War's theme in general. Otherwise, it, I, it really won't work. I will agree with that. But again, that is why I to me it did not feel like the Avengers banter that I am hoping when I see one of those films. Okay. But the only Avenger that wasn't there was Tony Stark. No, no, no. I'm talking about. I'm talking about the characters in general for that movie. I wish that they were all been together fighting. That's what I'm saying. Okay, so okay, I get that. I just I think 
the, even the fight on Titan, in my opinion, is better than the last fight in Old I Age agree. of Ultron. I agree with but, that. I like the one on Titan versus the whole like war scenario that they're doing. You have a problem Wakanda. with Wakanda. I would say the Wakanda battle is a weaker battle up until the moment when Thor shows up. When Thor shows up. That's when yeah, it picks up that, a lot. For me, that's like one of my favorite scenes from that movie is where Thor shows up and just starts wrecking house. Yeah. I just, I like, don't. And they even joke about that where um, the one chick from The Walking Dead, I can't think of her. The, Michelle. She plays the Wakandan general where she's like, where Scarlet Witch comes onto the battlefield and just like wrecks house. And she's like, okay, why couldn't we start that? Like, you right. know, that kind of a thing. Like, I get that. I feel like, they, you know, and of course they're doing that to, to lengthen it, to add depth to other characters and stuff. But yeah, yeah. I, I just don't understand. And you might, you, you will never understand that. <laughs> well, so, I don't understand okay. how you put, let's see, what was it? Captain Marvel above. <laughs> because you've never seen the film. And I have seen the film, and that's why I can do that. I know, but still. So, so and that's, also that's how you put my... Incredible Hulk above <laughs> both Ant-Man and the Thor movie. So, uh, <laughs> A, the Thor movie was Thor the Dark World. It's a shit movie. It's still better than Incredible Hulk. <laughs> so, anyways, is it? where are we at here? Am I at the number four spot? I could watch Thor: The Dark World again. I would rather bleach my eyes. It is is my is my sin is my sin worse than yours? You put you put Black Panther far below below Iron Man three. The reason I gave the reasons for it. Yeah, I just don't. That's fine. That you. I don't agree with. Let's agree to disagree. Let's agree to disagree. I don't think we'll ever agree. That's fine. That you gave it high praise. For for the reasons that you had, so I'm not I'm not saying anything against it. Both of your lists are justified. You don't so. like the Wakandan battle. You don't like <laughs> Panther. God damn it! Man. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I don't I don't mean to be a, a bitch. But in next but. defense, I will say one more bad thing. Like the climatic fight at the end, where it transitions between like three different things going on reminded me so much of the Phantom Menace and how kind of bad that was sort of like edited in a way that I agree yeah that that last climatic battle was pretty bad also the I didn't really care for the character in Black Panther the the white guy the one that played Bilbo his character like to me that was pretty fucking pointless to even have him in that film <laughs> Uh, Bilbo or, or uh, Smeagol? Or was it Smeagol? I thought they're both in the movie. movie. They're both in the movie. Oh, shit, no, no, they no. are. <laughs> they're both in the movie. No, yeah. Clavicus no, no. Claw, or whatever the yeah, fuck his no. name is. Oh, yeah. Claw's good fucking ad. He was also, yeah, he was also in Ultron. It's too, the, right? it's the uh, Sokovia. It's, it's, he's an FBI or CIA agent. I can't or a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent. I can't remember. Is he a S.H.I.E.L.D. Which, agent? I can't remember, I don't know. but yeah. Um, it, fucking, to me, that whole was kind of pointless where he's like, the Wakandan ship from like you know, like basically like a simulator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, I yeah, was he, like, he was a bit. Like, he, 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 he stopped him from getting away. Yeah. yeah so was, again, 
those were my gripes with that. So yeah. I think I'm All at right. what number four here. Number four. All right, Captain America: The First Avenger. I really liked the film. I liked how they. It, it's one of the only Marvel films that shows a different time from like a modern time, a space time. They take it back to the 40s, World War II. That's the introduction of Captain America's propaganda during the war stuff. And then how, you know, creating the super soldier and how they did that very tastefully with the technology that's thrown in there with the stuff from like the Tesseract and all of that stuff. I really liked it because again, buff. So I liked the take on it, incorporating that into things that, actually happened as far as like areas where they were fighting kind of um and of course it, it sets it up it sets up the arc becoming the avengers like he's the start of um so that's my reasons there okay any any what was your gripes with the movie can't remember oh i like first avenger First Avenger is great, and I can understand putting it up near the top because it's. I understand it being put near the top if you're a really big fan of Captain America, because it's a fan favorite. Okay. I mean, it's the one that starts it off for him. That's why I kind of understand why you put Iron Man where you put it. Um, but yeah, um, Steve, did you have, have any? No, no, no. Just my bias against Captain America kind of clouds my judgment. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, so I can't really say. Here we go. Let's get ready to run. All right. I'm going to blow the doors off of Matt's butt over there. Um, (laughs) So, number three, I put Avengers Endgame. Probably one of the best Marvel films that have been made. There are reasons why I have the Avengers at number two. And Iron Man at number one. Again, the scene in Avengers where the original Avengers group, they do that 360 shot of them right before the Battle of New York really kicks off. That set the entire tone for the rest of the movies to come for the Avenger movies. One might debate that that is also in Avengers Endgame, but you know. Yes, no, I agree. The whole ending where where Captain America gets to finally see Avengers assemble just like he did in the comic book, I thought was great. The fan service that Endgame does to close it out is great. But again, to me, that's where I put it because of what I feel Avengers set up and did it properly. If you, if, if Avengers didn't work, you don't have any of the other Avenger films. That's the reason I put Iron Man at number one. When they first started, the, Kevin Feige, this plan that he had with Iron Man, he there's a video on YouTube that I saw where he's talking to John Favreau. He's sitting there and he's saying, if this movie doesn't succeed, nothing else is going to. Like it could have been a flop like the incredible. And that's what why I put that at number one. If you don't have Iron Man and if you don't have it succeed the way that it did with the story. This is where you're actually getting Robert Downey Jr. in an actual Iron Man suit that they created for that film, where it's actually 
meticulously working and that kind of stuff where they had like pneumatic lines connected to him throughout that whole entire thing. The CGI is done gracefully in that movie. The origin story for Tony Stark is done gracefully. So without a successful Iron Man, Endgame doesn't even exist. So that's why I put it at number three. And I those feel are like my, those are my reasons for number two and number. Okay, so. I feel like there's just a difference in rationale. Yeah, I don't think they're necessarily wrong with this. I've realized now. I think you appreciate how things begin. Well, yeah, not necessarily. You, look, you don't appreciate how they yeah. end, but I'm more about. Oh no, I, I where we are. I am. S and the D as hard as as you, Matt, for Endgame. I have been talking to people that haven't seen it yet, and I've been telling them go see it. I'm planning on going and seeing it for number two and number three rounds coming up here. We'll probably go see Justin. Uh, if they haven't already seen it, they're gonna maybe go see it yesterday. Okay. Um, but um, and of course Melissa wants to see it. She's just been busy. right. We could so, talk about this after, but yes, but yeah, so. Again, a hell of a way to end out again, 22 movies and 11 years. But, and there has been tons of reviews, podcasts that I have seen that they have all hearkened to that same thing. If Favreau did not direct Iron Man the way that he did, and if Kevin Feige did not market Iron Man the way that they did, that's it. Like, this doesn't exist. And there was, a, like, when I remember going and seeing Iron Man in the theaters mom took me and I remember like them talking about it on TV and stuff like oh this new movie Iron Man which one is he again like they didn't even know at the time because right. he was they're like it's, was, a, it's, a, it's an Ozzy it's an yeah, Ozzy Osbourne it song <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't and at the same time I think right I think it was right around the same time or maybe a little bit after when Iron Man came out I think Dark Knight came out around that oh, same shit, time. Really? Yeah. No. So it kind it or one of the Batman movies came out. And, maybe Dark you know, Knight. Maybe uh, Batman up. Begins. When did Iron Man come out? Was it 08? I think two two thousand eight or two thousand seven. Dark Knight was 08. Oh shit. Yeah. Okay. So, so and it, and they talked about the Kevin Feige he talked about Knight came. Iron Man didn't do as like you know it didn't get the spotlight because everybody was enthralled with batman at the time so you know understandably but yeah um, if if kevin feige didn't stick to guns and aided the idea that he had in his head endgame would not have existed so yeah uh yeah that's a quote for fucking president well Okay, politics aside, Stephen will have some uh, gripes with that. Uh, with what? <laughs> he said Kevin Feige should run for president. Oh, that's fine. I mean, everyone else is running for president. So might, as well. might, as well throw, <laughs> might as well throw your fucking bucket in. Um, um, just as a footnote to all this, it seems like Nick is outside of the inner plot context of the string of films and is placing more value in the importance of how film sets off the whole thing while it looks like me and Matt place more emphasis on each individual film uh, 
without the added context of how important they were in sort of like establishing the MCU as a whole. Like, not to steal a quote. No, I agree but, with that. I agree that to, that's a good take to look at it that way. Yeah. Yeah. Not to steal a quote, but uh, yeah, the journey is all about the end for me. Um, but that might be for, for all of us. We all fucking love yeah, the I, game. I agree with that. You 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 hearken also there. more. You you have that, and you also hearken more to how it all begins. Is how we, we appreciate. And I guess I don't have as much value set into where things start necessarily because I could see where they can come from, but we all have to look back to it. So yeah. there's and reasons I, to appreciate that. I too. think I think it's also because Iron Man at is because I have more time invested in that character because I was reading those comic books as a kid. My dad okay. had a bunch of them that were like original. I think he still has somewhere. And I used to reread those all the time. And like some of the kind of crappy cartoons that came out for like the Saturday morning stuff that they had way back in the day. Um, so I was invested into that character. So when I got to see it on a big screen and in the scale that they did, it, that just sealed the deal for me. Is and he your... Uh... All-time favorite superhero? Yeah, he is. Okay, yeah. So, yeah, it was it was hard to see him go in Endgame, yeah. but I knew that that was how they were going to close out his character. Yeah, and it was tastefully done, too. Yes, it was. Yeah. Well, I think that, uh, that we've had a good fucking hour, if not longer, <laughs> yeah, discussion. Right. Maybe it was an hour and a half. breaking the two-hour mark pretty soon. We're breaking the two-hour mark easily. We started to run. I think we're going for that three-hour. Uh, oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> I think now is a good time, possibly, to transition. Do you have any last thoughts in regards to the uh, the lists and how we ranked? I do have one thing about Endgame, but it's totally off subject of the lists it uh knocked out titanic yesterday goddamn right like 2. i mentioned at the beginning of this billion dollars globally and now i guess <laughs> now james, it hunts for the avatar james, james cameron has been i guess lighting up twitter i guess with like anti anti he doesn't want to be beat anti <laughs> and how uh, I saw something like scrolling through Facebook where he said something that uh, in like a interview that nobody's going to remember Endgame Avatar 2. And I was like, you've got to be fucking joking me. Come now. Good, <laughs> good boy. Don't underestimate James Cameron, though. His- oh, oh, I don't. He's a, Cameron. Yeah. He's a smug he, bastard. Didn't he yeah, direct Titanic? Am I mistaken? Yeah, yeah. he did. Yeah. 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 So he had the top two. And now he only has the top one. Yeah, and that's the only reason <laughs> Avatar didn't win big at the Oscars that year was because they were like, we have to spread the wealth. We can't give 12 Oscars to them. Right. So. All right. Anyways. I think now's the time we, uh, yeah, I think, I think, do we think that Endgame meets, if not surpasses, Avatar? Mm, I think poss- it gets them. Possibly. I'm still gonna go with my gut and say no, but it will be very close. It'll be yeah. very close, if yeah. not beating. The it. reason why I say that is, I still think Avatar had that potential of its long legs 
Endgame will have to compete with future releases coming with next month. That Does the Lion King beat Avatar? Hell no. I think it can, but it depends on how they market it. If you and think about it, Nick. Maybe, well, like, Lion King maybe domestically, but... I'll tell about the World Wide Grouse at this point. I don't know. I don't see Lion King doing it that depends. astronomically good globally. And the, the and that's the thing though. Endgame has done the two point two billion dollar mark in the shortest amount of time that any movie has done it. So yeah. I'd see another movie like I don't even see the, the final Star Wars movie. Oh doing, fuck no. no I'm doing no. that. Hell no. And that but again, that's another ending movie. You're ending a saga. Just like this one ended it. So I don't know. I don't know. No one's really gone. <laughs> <laughs> Emperor's new video. God, don't do like that. Yeah. Sorry, my <laughs> shitty Emperor laugh. Um, but yeah, oh, uh, I think I think now's a good time to dance along into uh, Game of Thrones, ladies and gentlemen. Um, I feel like we could pretty much surmise the first episode. I mean, the first episode. I mean, second episode. Um, do we know the name of that episode, by the way? Did you guys find that out? Mass Effect 3 Citadel. Right. No. <laughs> That's well, I just well. saw, right as you said that, I just saw a th- created a thing that they were like, I want to see this spinoff of Game of Thrones, and it says Tormund and Ghost. Tormund and Ghost. HBO Fall 2019. I mean, if you look at any, you know, major Bauer game where before, we head off into the climatic battle. You have the scenes with your companions and, you know, relishing every moment while you still can before you ah, go. Ah, it's called A Night of the Seven Kingdoms. That's right. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah this is very much a... It's, it's pretty oh, much that. Oh, by the way, big spoiler for Game of Thrones. If you were just here for the end game portion and all that, um, and you're not, and you're still watching Game of Thrones and have not gotten all the way caught up to season eight, episode four. Please go do so before listening to this portion of the podcast. And if you don't give a fuck, welcome. Does um, that mean that I have to leave? No, because you're not currently watching, and you can catch up and forget this shit. It's it's that's how that works. Take care less. <sighs> Lovely. <clears throat> so we have a night in the Seven Kingdom. Um, Essentially, like Steven said, setting up for the big battle next episode. Um, in this episode, we get a pretty few pretty good moments. Um, a round table of drunkenness while they get ready to fight the Night King. Uh, we get Tyrion. I mean, this is late in the episode. I forget what happens at the beginning, other than they're just talking strategy. Um, mm-hmm. I guess... Oh! They put Jamie on a miniature trial, and then he's like, I'll help you guys. And then they're like, then Brienne stands up for him. And Brienne says, uh, this is a good man. And then Sansa's like, okay, he's forgiven for now. Um, because you trust him, I trust him. Good enough for me. All right. The tension between Sansa and uh, Daenerys grows in this episode. Then we get... I believe yeah, the first episode had uh, John find out about his parentage. Then this episode, um, we'll get to it, 
but uh he finds then he tells somebody uh his aunt about the parentage but that comes at the end what else do we get we get uh set up for the war what their plans are um what else do we get steve Arya has sex with Gendry. Yeah, Arya has sex with Gendry. <laughs> uh, she shows him her Zen. Um, that's I feel I feel bad. I feel dirty about that. She's, 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 she's eighteen and over. Okay, both in the show and out of it. You're it's fine. like watching your sister fuck someone. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> wow, it is like watching. Right. Says the guy that likes Jamie as a character. Uh. The things I do for love pushes a kid out of the <laughs> fucking beautiful writing. We we will talk about Jamie's next steps uh, once we get to that episode. But yeah, I mean, obviously we knew that uh, that Gendry and Arya were going to get on after this last episode. Uh, Arya has a great arc this season. I really think she has one of the strongest arcs this season. Um, oh, strong. Yeah, I'm kind of MacGuffin uh, a little bit, but um, I really like it. And yeah, I think it could have been shared with some other characters. I do feel like like maybe she was given like a lot of time, which is cool, and I understand why they do that. Um, then we also get a bunch of people drunkenly sitting around a fire talking about I, a variety of things. We get the backstory to Tormund Giant Spain, why he's called Giant Spain. <laughs> I suckled at her teat for three weeks. <laughs> After he fucked her, apparently. Um, he fucked a giant and then sucked at her milk. Uh, put, in, put in the gif of, uh, of Luke Skywalker drinking milk, and you'll get pretty much that same feeling. Goddamn. Um, and then... And then we get uh, Pod singing probably one of my favorite songs of the entire entire series. Um, you know, I like Reigns of Castamere. It's just more um, instrumental. And, but there's like a couple of versions of it. Um, and then we get, you know, the the Stark theme when, when it's used certain times. It's very impactful. But Jenny of Old Stones is a fucking great song. I really like it when Pod sings it. Didn't really like it when uh, Florence and the Machine did it. Was it Florence and the Machine? Correct. Yeah. Didn't really like their version of it. Wasn't as impactful, in my opinion. Maybe it's just the way he sings it. I'll let you for now. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, I like Florence and the Machine. Don't get me wrong. I just prefer when he sings it. Um, and, the, and the visuals that come with it. I guess that's definitely a very, very important part. And then at the end of the episode, we get... John in the crypt and Danny finds him in the crypt and he lays out that well Robert Baratheon or uh yeah my father was not was not Ned Stark my mother and he tells like how how the annulled marriage between uh or they they had a secret marriage uh, with uh, Rhaegar Targaryen and uh, Lyanna Stark. Lyanna Stark, and they they had a baby, and that baby was given to Lyanna's brother. And I am that baby, and you're my aunt, and I am the rightful heir to the Seven Kingdoms. Except for he doesn't say it; she says it because 
Danny only thinks about the throne, and that's all she really cares about, other than people, her people. But in the end, you don't think she you don't think she cares about her people. No, (laughs) you think she's using them as tools. Well, yeah, but predictable. Okay, well, we'll go over it. Yeah, but but essentially, then three horns blow, and end of episode. Pretty good episode. Pretty good episode. Very, very character-driven. Loved it. Yeah. Um, I loved other episodes more. I feel like looking at what happens in episode four... Wait, 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 wait. wait. Other episodes from this season? No. Okay, just in general, like the whole <laughs> series? General. Yeah, okay, yeah. Okay, okay. Not this season. What the fuck else uh, do I have to compare it to? Okay, First episode? Okay, I, I just want to make sure. Right, no. Um, very impactful. What were you going to say, Steve? No, it wasn't. Go continue. Uh, that's all I got to say about this episode. Oh, yeah. And Brienne of Tarth is knighted by Jamie Lannister. Uh, she repays him in the next couple of episodes. Um, mm. What are you typing, you savage son mm. of a bitch? No, I'm not typing anything. Not you. Um, so long story short, uh, really good episode. I give it about a a six out of 10, seven out of 10. Um, because, uh, yeah, we get, we get very, very character driven parts of this. Everyone's kind of saying their last goodbyes. Do you have anything else to say about this episode? I'd give it, yeah, around a seven out of 10. I think it's the best episode, uh, this season so far. Right. Okay, so I think we could fully move on to the next episode, oh, which, okay. um, yeah, I don't, I don't think Steve likes this episode, but we'll get to that bit. Um, the Long Night. It has some really good moments in it. Can you agree? I mean, if you are you one of those like... people who doesn't like this mil- doesn't like the military. Uh, set up. Are are you gonna stick no, with? No, I okay. absolutely love this. I I fell in love with, with Game of Thrones. The Battle of the Bastards in season six was probably the most impressive fight sequence. Yet. I think it's more imp- impressive than this uh, yeah. fight sequence, in my opinion, because I think it makes you feel more impactful as a character-driven episode, right? Um, in comparison to just a full-on fucking battle. Uh, so we get the long night. Um. It starts off, everyone's, we get Sam's perspective. Uh, he goes, he walks out to the, where the people are waiting to fight their, their, what they think is their final fight. For some of them, it is. Uh, we get into, we, they're just staring out in darkness, pitch black, and they can hear snarls, slight snarls in the distance of the army of the dead, which is f- pretty fucking terrifying. Um, this is actually probably one of the most terrifying parts of the entire fight is the calm before the storm. And then I didn't see it coming. I didn't think about it um, until it happened, like another part in this episode. And we see a single solitary horse with someone riding on it coming through the uh, coming through the darkness into the into the light. And when I saw this, I was like, is this going to be the, like the fucking mouth of Sauron from like Lord of the Rings? <laughs> like they, they have someone to speak on their behalf, like surrender. And there's like going to be more meaning, but of course not. Uh, Cause the white walkers have no meaning um, other than get, 
but I don't think they have time to really pull off any more lore about them. Um, long story short, it's Melisandra. Okay, cool, awesome. What's the what's her what's she doing here? She tells them raise raise them to raise their swords. Jorah tells them to raise their swords. She walks up to the swords and turns it into a goddamn bonfire. Uh, she lights their fucking swords up. Fucking awesome time, awesome part. But I was like, oh, that's cool. That's awesome. Uh, this just gives them a visual so people far away can see them die. <laughs> <laughs> Whether she was actually trying to help the army of the living, I don't know. Because then the army of the dead is like, look, that's where they are. See them now. Instead of, oh, stealth attack. Um, but then, then, uh, then Ghost walks up next to Jorah, and then they get ready. Um, the Onion Knight and Melisandre have a moment inside the. She gets inside, essentially saying, I'll be dead by morning. Then the charge happens. The Dothraki, Jorah, and Ghost all do a fucking badass charge uh, to attack the. Um, to attack the army of the dead. It's. And it's like once they just get within about five feet of them, it they're just fucked, fucking done, just completely fucked. Uh, the all the Dothraki horde just gets laid out like fucking Batman fighting Bane for the first time. Like no chance. This is a fucking slaughter. I was wondering when I was gonna break first your spirit or your body, and they fucking broke both of them at the same time and made them come back to life as dead. Um, did you want to say something? No, keep going. Okay, so we get this fucking crazy ass just destruction. Danny's like, "Well, I guess we might as well use our use our queen piece right now." <laughs> it's like, what the fuck? Are you <laughs> so you sent the pawns in, and now you want to take out the queen? And watch them. So she hops on her dragon. Um, really, Melisandre's to blame for her for this whole fuck up. Uh, I mean, I don't know if I guess it happened the way it was supposed to happen. So the army of the dead fucking thrashes the entire army of the Dothraki. A few people come riding back. Apparently, Ghost survives. Uh, then. Um, Jorah survives. He rides back on the horse. He's looking at Torm. Fuck that! <laughs> he gets inside the walls, and he uh, or I don't know if he goes inside the wall, but he uh, no, I think he stays outside. Yeah, he but, stays outside the walls, but behind but, the uh, the the spear defenses where they light it on right. fire. Yeah, right, right. The the, the trench. Um, so he goes, and kind of recuperates for a bit because he just got his ass handed to him. Uh. Yeah, and next we just wait for the fucking horde of the dead to come fuck them everyone up. Um, I thought yeah. for sure there was going to be a lot more death in this episode. I, I mm, yeah, I, I I was surprised. I was I was disapp- It's weird to say, but I was disappointed by how little death there was. Um, mainly, it, go ahead. And, like, in many of the conflict scenes where you have, like, the undead fighting against key characters, and again, I don't know... The wave of the the, undead, like a liquid. Yeah, 
it felt way too overwhelming for just, you know, for them to hold out for as long as, as they can, or at least that's the way it seemed. Cause the episode was like 90 minutes, right? Like it just felt really long, this long drawn out battle sequence that it just feels like the undead should have just swept through and just murdered everything like a, like a force of nature almost. And then, so when you have like all these characters, like, you know, trying to retaliate and defend themselves for it to prolong so long, especially near the end of the scene where like Jamie and Brienne are like, you know, completely cornered inside the castle walls and they are just constantly just hacking and slashing, trying to stay alive. At a certain point, I was kind of like, okay, how long are they going to do this? Like, where's, where's the kicker here? Like, where's the saving grace here? It turns out that the saving grace was the incompetence of the Night King and apparently, you know, wandering inside. Which makes no sense as a plot device. Unless yeah. he was like, it, like, unless there's a, a deeper reason why he didn't, like, what? Like, there's no plot reasoning why he would just walk out. Like, he obviously thought he won, but for someone who could see ahead of time to plan to sit around a lake where people would be waiting. Just so you could kill a dragon to get beyond the wall, like you must have known the dragons were gonna come, right? You could have foreseen that. You can't fucking foresee this last second before you die. Like, yeah, it's unless he meant to die, in which case, okay. But where's that reason? <laughs> no, I don't think he was. I, I don't think his his intention die because otherwise he could have you know done that a long time ago but uh just in general i think the major problem with this episode and really where the series is going is that the buildup of the white walkers and by extension the night king as a very important figure in really embodying this force of nature that westeros for the large majority of the show has completely ignored and, you know, basically embraced ignorance about in general. I just feel like the resolution and how quick and how clean it all felt at the end of this episode, it, the, the Night King deserved a more harrowing legacy than what he left behind at the end of this episode. I was expecting, as you said, more casualties, more, more chaos, more dread, more, more like, fuck, dude, we just barely got out with, you know, just barely got out. And instead, it just became this grueling, just, okay, we're going to try and survive as long as we can. Oh, this character has plot armor. Oh, the Night King is dumb enough to enter, you know. Winterfell, even though he doesn't have to at all. And I think it's fair to say that for most of the audience that has seen the episode can sort of conclude, hey, I think the Night King is sort of self-aware that if he goes down, the rest of the army also goes down. And that completely nullifies uh, the the buildup of the White Walkers as a threat all the way from the first episode of the series. Yeah, it doesn't make any fucking sense. Um, but we have, we have, we could, we can get to talking about that in a, in a moment. I kind of want to bounce back to some of the other parts of the episode. Um, okay, go ahead. 
so Melisandre, like the the unsullied, fucked. Um, Dolores Ed is the first to die. Okay, I, there's and I did mention to you earlier in this point when Dolores Ed. So so Sam gets knocked down. He's about to fucking die. Dolores Ed saves him. Uh, when he when Sam is knocked down, he looks through the flames and sees somebody fighting in the fi- in the fire. Now we've seen Sam turning into more of a maester uh, as time has gone by, and what we know about maesters is they have inside knowledge. They and some of them can see uh, more than they think. And I feel like the maesters are also might have the sight of seeing things in flames that the red priests do, but they don't. They don't act just upon that. And so we see what it looks like to be um, Jamie. I believe it is Jamie fighting in the flames. I, it's clearly somebody with a sword, and it's like the stature of Jamie. I, and obviously it's not Jon Snow because Jon Snow hasn't... He's not a dragon. He's not on the field. It's obviously not Tormund. It doesn't look like a crazy man with hair everywhere mm-hmm. um it doesn't look it only makes sense that it is jamie at this point that he sees in the flames it's just a very small maybe three second part of the se- season and it's very short and it's like okay what the, like i was the only one who noticed it you didn't notice it mm-hmm. Juliet, my girlfriend didn't notice it and i mentioned to her when we watched it this weekend and she was like or I think it was last week. Yeah, no, no, we watched it this weekend because she was out of town last weekend. Um, no one noticed it. I was like, guys, the whole thing about seeing things in flames is fucking important. <laughs> so, uh, Dollar said goes down as the f- dragons are strafing the fucking field, um, which is pretty much the only thing that saves everyone from getting utterly destroyed. Uh, that's sad. He dies. Then we get the uh, Unsullied getting fucked up. And essentially, at the same time, we have John flying toward and killing a bunch of uh, whites with the dragon along with Daenerys. And the Unsullied are getting fucked up. And then a bl- uh, John's d- diving toward the rest of the White Walkers. And a big blizzard comes in. So that was confirmation for me. I was like, oh shit. The Night King's actually here. I thought he might be flying down to King's Landing to fucking cut off the head, um, but apparently not. So then the Unsullied are getting fucked up. The blizzards come in so no one can fucking see in the sky. Uh, all the Unsullied pretty much are fucked. A couple of them retreat, um, and they get ready to light up the... They're like, okay, time for Danny to light the fucking trench. The trench can't get lit. She can't see Davos waving his, uh, his his torches to signal. So shit, everyone starts shooting flaming, flaming arrows. They get put out because it's a blizzard, and because it's fucking icy out. <laughs> then we get, um, uh, uh, Grey Worm closes the 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 spikes and they're like how the fuck are we going to get this lit this is happening at the same time roughly maybe before and essentially the answer is melisandre she's come here to light shit up light it up 
So they defend her. She does her Oxium Noma Stasadia. Light this motherfucker up, bitch. Someone is say fire! And then, boom, the whole shit lights up just as she's about to get killed by a white. Uh, and then you get this really calm moment, which is actually nice. A kind of like a secondary calm. Like, you're, it's digestible for this. For this, I feel like if this was just a balls-out, crazy-ass, like, battle the whole time would have worn me out it kind of already did at that point but it would have worn me out like way earlier (laughs) than it could have um we just get the dead looking through the fire at everyone just not doing anything and i feel like the juxtaposition that who they go to next is very perfect for this because it's a story they've been telling since the beginning um the juxtaposition we now see uh Beric Dondarrion, and next to him is Sandor Clegane and the Hound, and he is not having this fucking moment at all. A, his fucking face is half burnt, that's why he's afraid of fire in the first place. Um, And B, it's the fucking army of the dead. It's double death for him. It's like, death upon fear. And I guess it might be a metaphor that he has to, he has to, in order to overcome death he has to overcome his fear so maybe that's a metaphor for that what he's going to happen to do because I feel like fire is going to be involved with his fight with his brother I don't know how it will be but it will be something tells me he won't be able to kill the the mountain unless he burns his brother um, because his brother <laughs> is undead yeah. he's going to have these fires or there's going to be a lot of dragon fire a meeting in a fucking courtyard and that is going to be fucking it. Um, sound the trumpets. Uh, but long story short, we get go inside the, the place is lit. I think at this point they're just recuperating. Um, oh, this is the, this is the part with the dragons in the air. I think if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. The whole, Two versus one. So John lands near the near the weirwood area, um, and because he can't see in the blizzard. Oh, they've all, him and Danny have hit midair, and eventually it gets to the point where the the Night King, uh, Brand's like, I'm gonna go peace out, find out where this motherfucker is. He takes that, his fucking what? Yeah, that was a weird scene. Like it took took too long. What the fuck <laughs> was he doing for that whole time? Like, I wonder if they're going to reveal something, but I'm like, how the fuck are they going to reveal something? Unless it's in the start saying, and here's this thread, and this is what was happening the whole time, and could have you couldn't see it, and it's going to be a big fucking twist that either sucks or is amazing. I have no idea. But, like, a reoccurring theme to this series is, I mean, to this season, rather, is just, like, these weird character moments that really don't amount to anything noteworthy and i guess him morphing to like ravens to sort of like scout the area kind of feels a bit like this is like wasted time that could be better spent doing something else but again maybe there's a payoff later that we don't see yet but who knows a payoff that has to happen in two fucking episodes yeah i don't know how the fuck they're gonna do it unless they do it next episode but the battle has to happen next episode so it's like they would have to wait to the last episode. <laughs> Which, I guess if you're going to pull a twist, do it in the end. 
but don't do it in the end where there can't be any reaction to it. I feel like it's like if you do it in the last episode, it's like yeah, the, the you have twist. to do it so perfectly that would make me want to watch everything over again and make no and be like, oh my god, it all connects. But I feel like in order to do that, they gotta fuck it up. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. It has to be something but, so outlandish. Um, not not so much. Like, wait, what do you mean outlandish? Like, uh the multiple brands theory but that's not even outlandish that's like that's a theory that someone made online i feel like there would I, something i can't even think of that's that's what it have to be something so perfect i couldn't think of it or you couldn't think of it and they do it and it's like i didn't even think about that what the fuck that's amazing um i just i don't know what it's gonna be yeah we'll just have to see but yeah i think the the one thing that you mentioned and podcast episode about the mad king scene burned them all i think that might still hold when jamie's saying burn them all and then yeah i think that might still happen but we'll see but that's like the one noteworthy thing that you mentioned that i really want to see happen because it could bring it full circle in a way it would really bring it full circle because without that scene you don't get the rebellion Right. No, no, no. Well, you get the rebellion. Yeah, you get the rebellion because that happens during the end of the rebellion. Um, but you don't get Jamie becoming Jamie hmm. without the burn them all scene. Yeah. And you don't get Ned Stark thinking badly about him. And you don't get Robert. I guess you still get Robert. Um, unless it happens in a different scene. Where they burn the Stark people, where where the where the Mad King first burns, uh, I think Ned Stark's father and his uncle, who's also named Brandon Stark. Let me pull out the book. <laughs> oh, here we go. Yes, the book makes it. Watch that. Son of a bitch. Where did I put it? Uh, but yeah, I'm pretty sure there's a Brandon Stark that I can't find. Uh, All right, no worries. But yeah, I'm pretty sure there's a Brandon Stark. Um, whatever. Uh, I'm sure there was a Brandon Stark that was uh, Brandon Stark's great uncle. But maybe that's where it takes place. And then he says, burn them all. And then he's like, burn them. I don't know. Hold the door. Um... Let's uh, unless Continue. I'm not missing any like key details, but let's just skip straight to like the Night King. Yeah, so we get we get the whole thing with Melisandre. You'll close green eyes. You'll close you'll close you'll close brown eyes. You'll close green eyes. You'll close blue eyes. Okay, she walks off. Uh, we get the Night King has overwhelmed the whole fucking castle. Mm-hmm. Um, he raises the dead. Jon Snow can't get to him. Also, he survives dragon fire which I fucking predicted um, because my theory still probably stands true that he's part Targaryen because that, I mean, come on. Maybe, maybe white walkers can't die to fire, but I feel like he's a Targaryen um, because of that theory, because of the fact that he survived fire. That's the only people who can survive fire in the story. They've set that up since season one. He's Targaryen. So, um and stark so 
essentially, long story short, uh, we get we get the whole um, the fight scene. We get Barrack down there, and he dies. We get Theon, he dies. So, which is, I didn't like Theon's death. It was kind of stupid. No, yeah, no, I did that. It was so dumb. Throw was the fucking like, spear, you dipshit. Yeah, like, spear. <laughs> oh, no, I'm just going to rush the Night King to, like, Bran, even first, though there's, yeah. like, a bunch more of the White Walker, like, generals or lieutenants on the side already, sort of just standing there. Like, ah, it, it was just executed. Had they killed Theon and saved the Viper, and the Viper... Like that would have been a badass fight oh, they could have had in the middle God. of the courtyard, like Sekiro yeah. status, like the Shinobi and the Shinobi <laughs> killer. Yeah, <laughs> like that would have been in the badass, like a single solitary weird. Give me that <laughs> fucking crossover. Yeah, um, <laughs> they'd ruin that too. <laughs> um, I-, I like Game of Thrones, but um, Stephen has his his gripes. Long story short, we get uh, th- the slowest, um, which is pretty badass, like a walking scene, like me and my fucking click walking up to the club, the ice bar, if you will. And essentially, the Night King walks forward. And at this point, I had completely forgotten about Arya. So it was kind of, I was like, oh, fuck. Like, he, the, I, the Night King, did you have a stare off to him and Bran? Night King pulls out his sword. Not even halfway, not even a quarter of the way. And then there's a breeze that goes past one of the, the bald motherfuckers that are the uh, <laughs> that are the White Walkers. And he's like, what the fuck is that? And then Arya just fucking gets caught midair. And she drops the knife and gets him. I fucking was happy uh, when it happened. Um, I'm fine with her killing him. I'm fine with him dying but i feel like we needed more more backstory to his to his fucking reason i feel like there is a bigger reason we haven't been shown that yet i really hope they don't help fucking save it for the books because you know that motherfucker is gonna take forever to write it and i i I really hope that's they don't it's not like part of the contract like you can't actually tell them why the white walkers are doing what they do um, All right, let me bring up something. Yeah, um, okay, a lot of people are comparing this episode to the Last Jedi. Let me explain. In the Last Jedi, uh, Kylo kills off Snoke in a very you know unceremoniously fashion. Like it, it's just like so abrupt. It, a lot of people were disappointed because they wanted more backstory for Snoke. Yada yada. I can appreciate Yeah, I appreciate the criticism, but they didn't build up Snoke long enough for the audience to care about him. So that happening subverted expectations in a way that makes sense. Here though, it doesn't make sense because you have been building the Night King up from the very beginning, or at least hinting towards him. And for their so even if you were to override the whole notion of let's just make him a cookie cutter big bad guy that poses a threat to Westeros and you don't give him a backstory. Then why the mystery? Like what yeah, the fuck? Exactly. Why the mystery? It completely eradicates 
many aspects of the seasons one through seven that made the show have this aura of like, you know, just like, oh my God, like it just provides so much buildup over something so banal as just, oh, the White Walkers are just going to kill shit and that's it. There's nothing more behind that. Why give him like the whole thing where he he's looking at Jon Snow when he kills another White Walker? Oh, fuck. Like, why give him the stare down? Like, they could have easily just right. come down there and stormed him. Fucking six White Walkers. Right. They could have easily done that. Why? Right. Why not? Why have the babies from Craster? It's like if the Night King got his big ass blue balls and gave it to the audience. You know, it's just like... Yeah, either this is shitty writing or there's something we haven't seen. And no, I don't know which way's going to no. go. And, and no, I, I think this is more a symptom of what happens have two showrunners who can adapt very well source material, but when left off the leash and you tell them to do their own thing because the original writer can't fulfill his obligation to complete the books in time... They have to finish this story by themselves with little to no input from Martin. And I think there's going to be major backlash for how the series ends. I can sense it. Um, I can be wrong. I, I, still have, I still hold hope. But the next episode after this kind of doesn't make things any better. It will have to do something. It will have to do something. Or are you talking about episode four? Or episode four? episode four. Okay, episode five needs to do some shit that will, like, if they're gonna if they're gonna pull off any strings, they need, in the sixth in the last episode, they gotta fucking dance quickly in the next episode. Like, they need to start off with everybody at the front gates, but they're not going to. Because they have to do the Dragonstone shit. And it's like, okay, I appreciate the Dragonstone shit. But you could have made episode one a lot shorter. <laughs> like, yeah. in regards to getting shit done. But then you don't get episode two. So it's like, okay, where do you cut off? Maybe you should have put part of episode one in part of episode two and episode one. And then put maybe start off the battle a little bit. But I don't, I don't know. Like where you where you cut and paste things at this point, um, to make a zombie that looks good. But overall, for uh, episode three, what did you think? Like, if you had to rate it, <sighs> I don't know if you want to give me like I don't I'm not necessarily a I don't want to necessarily give it a number or a letter. I want to put it below Battle of the Bastards on a battle scale. Uh, On a character scale, it's it's low. Um, There's no plot. Yeah, yeah. There's almost no plot except for the end. Yeah, and and people dying. Yeah, and I think that's fine. That's not really a detriment to the episode per se. But yeah, I think people expected more of the Night King in general. Like, Again, I think in the previous episode, I mentioned this scenario playing out where if they don't have a convincing 
reason for the Night King and the White Walkers to continue existing past this pivotal episode. They really have to cut the head off of it now so that they can proceed with the Cersei battle, which is what they did, which I'm kind of glad about. But again, it still doesn't diminish sort of like people's expectations for the Night King as a villain. I'll I'll give this a five out of 10. Um, I, yeah. I, it has some good parts. It has I, I like the Arya killing the Night King. I like. Yeah. I have no I just, complaints about that. My bitch is something. The bitch I have with this episode is not. So, the bitch I have with this episode is what it could have been. It, but it's wasn't. just too much plot armor. Yeah, it's just too much plot armor. Also, like, also kill off some fucking people. I get then, you want to give some people fleshed out stories, but yeah. Come on, I want Tormund should have died like a hero. I uh, I kind of <laughs> like like you keep you're continuing like oh, okay he's gonna go up north or maybe who knows they might go down south. Um, and surprise like Tormund, like Tormund could have saved Brienne and you know really showcased that yeah he and was then died the one for like, her. Great, <laughs> that would have been more fulfilling than J- Tor dying. I mean yeah, yeah Jor is a very impactful character, but like the lust that and the craziness like. I thought for sure Tormund was going to die. I thought Tormund was going to die first. I forgot about Dorlora's Ed, but I thought for sure, like we were going to get some, like that's a capstone for Tor- for Jor- for Jorah. He fucking saves Brienne. Maybe they still have an episode to do that in. I could maybe I see it. people instead of going. Yeah, but I think they're going to go north, yeah. but maybe they don't. Um, And then I just want to add as a precursor income, Bob, so- I really think James should have died in this. I really? really, I really think this was the perfect time because this would have cemented his redemption arc with a fucking bullet. You understand the way he said she's hateful and I am too. I think, and we'll get into this when we talk about the next episode, but long story yeah, short, yes. I don't think Jamie's going to go fucking turn this, on it. This bitch. will be the distinct like argument we're going to have because we are coming at it from polar opposite directions. But yeah. Let's, uh, I think we should move on to episode yeah. four. Good episode, five out of ten. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. Like, that is more of what could have been instead of what we got. Yeah, I'd give it a four. <laughs> All right, so now we get the uh, the the last of the Starks. Uh, fucking great episode. I liked uh, it. Conceptually, yes. Execution-wise, absolutely terrible. Uh yeah, they went with a little bit of MacGuffin on this one. Um, Mr. Spears a lot. Uh, we'll get to that in a sec. Huge. Mm-hmm. If we haven't said it before, we're gonna not, we're gonna say it again. Fucking spoilers. Get the fuck out if you have not seen this episode. That's all I gotta say. Um, this episode opens with everyone getting burnt at the pyre. We got Dolores said we got uh Jorah. We got uh all the Dothraki. I don't actually even think the Dothraki were. There. Maybe they were. <laughs> um. We get you fucking sick bastard, you laughed. Um we get uh Jura, we get um Theon. It's very sad. Uh then they burn and then um John makes actually a pretty impactful speech. They go inside and they have a party because they won. Understandable. Uh and then they they have some pretty funny uh some juxtapositions with Jamie and Tyrion getting drunk. Um, 
Uh, Daenerys sipping from her Starbucks cup. Yes, the Starbucks cup. God damn. I think they left that there on purpose. I feel like they did. Uh, Uh, Daenerys, well, if you think about where it's juxtaposed, it's actually Jon Snow's Starbucks cup. Starbucks cup. Mm. Um, (laughs) But yeah. um, And just the, the further divide of Daenerys not getting what she wants and Jon is going, it's seemingly going to get what he doesn't want, doesn't necessarily need, but the, it's just going to tear them apart. Like fucking beautiful. Um, it's like watching a, a, a fatality perf- go perfectly in Mortal Kombat. When it happens, you can't, you can't look away, but it's so horrifying and so beautiful at the same time. Um, I think it's going to be forced to a head when essentially Daenerys is going to go fucking. She's like, you see, you fucking wouldn't listen. And then she's going to try and kill somebody. Probably Sansa. And John's going to fucking kill her. Um, I feel like that's how it has to happen. I feel like that's what they're building toward. Um, then we get maybe not. But the, lo- lo- the logistics don't make uh, much sense because Sansa is in, in the north. Yeah, she's still in the north, and Danny is probably going to die in King's Landing somewhere. Yeah. I don't know. But I like the idea, though. Yeah. Um, or maybe she says, she, I'm going to take my dragon, I'm going to fucking burn down. I don't know how the fuck that would happen. But she just feels <laughs> bad shit and saying they, they win King's Landing, so she goes, well. But then the others can't reach her, so yeah, they can't save Sansa and Winterfell, and then that's when I could see that maybe happening. That'd be pretty cool, actually. Oh, if they burn Winterfell to the ground, and oh, then, God. but then why would she go back to let her fucking John kill her? Like what? All right, fine. It's a bad idea. Let's just <laughs> it's a fuck. It. It's a horrible idea. Um, long story it. short, uh, where were we? They go inside. They party. Apparently, Brienne's a virgin. Uh, fucking Tormund's heart breaks. Um, what am I missing? Tormund fucking essentially lays it on thick like fuck you dragon queen but not really because it wasn't directed at you but you now feel the wrath. <laughs> um, we get the hound and Sansa talking. Uh, Tor- when Tormund's heart breaks he's like well fuck it I'm just gonna go fuck this northern girl or southern girl technically. Um, he gives her a little su- she gives him a little southern comfort if you know what I mean. And um Essentially, uh, the hound is there. He doesn't want to get fucked by the the one of the what would you call them? wine girls, the barmaids, essentially. Yeah. Barmaid. Um, and oh, another point that I didn't realize, I, I was like pointing it out. Uh, so when this whole thing is happening with John being pointed out, like as the next king, Varys and Danny go off together. Varys follows Danny and just to see what she would do or like kind of talk to her maybe maybe there's a secret conversation that happened there um, oh, I don't know I okay I didn't know this but now that you bring it up oh shit this might have some interesting uh, yeah maybe maybe Varys is fucking with Tyrion yeah oh, and shit. trying to make him think because he was the only one who had the conversation he just did so seeds of doubt in Tyrion's head oh and, He's a Lannister. 
he's a Lannister, and so maybe the twist is is deepening. Oh, uh, yeah, maybe maybe the show could still be salvaged. Yeah, maybe maybe the true <laughs> true trickster is not is not Tyrion, but it is Varys turning Tyrion and twisting him. So maybe maybe there's something going on there because of the conversation they have later. Yeah. Um, what else happens? Uh, we have a conversation with Danny, and we have a conversation with uh, it was a conversation between Danny and John. They kiss again, and he's like, "Well, fuck, hold on." You're my, you're my aunt, and I can't love you. And she's like, "It could be simpler as long as you just don't tell anybody anything that happened. Don't, don't, don't talk. Uh, it's okay. You could fuck me. I'm your aunt. As long as you don't tell anyone, we'll be fine." Um, <laughs> and, and then he's like, "I have to tell Arya and Sansa." Uh, and then I'll just jump to that next scene because I mean, we get, we get, we get. Jamie and uh and um Brienne fucking it's very awkward. He's like, it's kinda hot in here. I didn't take my clothes off. It's like very like fight like fucking teen virgins. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> and so then that happens and then we cut to uh the Weirwood. We get John, Arya. Oh, fucking track back we get um daenerys makes uh gendry the lord of storm's end yes and then he proposes to Arya, and Arya's like that's not me <laughs> i'm not i'm not not a lady then gendry goes into the studio and writes a hip-hop breakup album a la drake <laughs> yeah <laughs> Ari, do you love me? Are you hiding? You will come to Storm's End with me. Uh, <laughs> uh, what is that song called? I don't know. Storm in my feels. I can't. I can't remember. Um, right. So that happens. Then we get the whole weirwood thing after everything in the nighttime. Um. And then, yeah, so essentially it's, the, and then we get, it's Sansa, Arya, and Bran talking to uh, Mr. Jon Snow in the Weirwood Tree area. And essentially, he he's like talking to them and he essentially comes down to the point where it's like, well, fuck, do I tell them? And then he looks, he locks eyes with Bran, and he's like, what does he say? I can't remember so what Bran said. It's up to you. It's up to you. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's like, and now he's let, he let it slip and he's like, God, fuck you and your fucking three-eyed son of a bitch. Uh, so, <laughs> he essentially, he's like, he swears some secrecy, which obviously wasn't going to go through Sansa. And then you get a trickling of, let's play telephone with whoever the fuck Jon Snow is. So, mm-hmm. You get Sansa knowing because Bran tells him. Technically, technically, John didn't break his oath um, because Bran told him. He never swore Bran to secrecy. So then they told they told Sansa. Sansa finds out. Sansa then, um, Sansa then tells Tyrion, and then Tyrion tells 
Varus, which is completion of the fucking death circle. Because now, since Varus knows, everything's going to go to shit. <laughs> uh, once Varus knows, we're on a boat. Why are we on a boat? Because we have to go to Dragonstone. Okay, so Varus knows that uh, John is the king and all this good shit. And then we have this majestic opening with the dragons flying and everything. And 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 Rhaegal's in front of Drogon and then fucking shaw! right in the belly where he got scratched by uh, Viserion in the previous episode. They did show that for like a split second. Um, and then he gets hit again, I think, in the wing. And then right through the fucking jugular. Wherever the fucking jugular is on a dragon, they fucking hit. And just like the Night King took down Viserion, fucking Rhaegal is dead. In fucking what seemed like 10 seconds. And then Tyrion comes out of the boat. He's like, oh, oh fuck. And then the Iron Fleet comes around with all their big fucking crossbows. I don't know. Oh. Speaking of crossbows, I forgot the whole brawn thing showing up uh, at... God, there's so much shit that happened in that first couple of minutes. We get brawn showing up. He's going, jumping back to the night after the battle. Everyone's partying. Bron shows up with Tyrion and... and uh, Jamie. Jamie's sitting down, having a drink, and he's like, Bron, why don't you have a drink? Why are you doing da- up north? And he's like, I'm here for you two fuckers, you fucking golden cunts. And so essentially, he br- he brokers a deal where he has to get Highgarden or he'll kill one of them right there and then. Uh, essentially, the cutthroat securing his his seat um, in, in all of it, using the crossbow that uh, was essentially the crossbow that Tyrion killed his father with. Mm-hmm. So that happens. Back to the other crossbows. Uh, Viserion dies. Danny charges with her dragon. Fucking pulls up last minute. She's like, "Fuck this! I don't want it. I don't want to lose my last hope to get the throne. Uh, win, lose the battle, win the war, kind of thing." But she's probably going to lose the war anyway. Um, and then the Iron Fleet decides, "Well, this is some type of artillery. Let's fuck up their boats." Also, mm-hmm. fuck. Fuck Euron Greyjoy. He's a great bad guy. The way he's written is kind of shitty. Uh, and used as a MacGuffin. Yeah. Isn't he more mysterious and enigmatic in the books? That's the one thing. He, I no, he's hearing. not more mysterious. He's more of a badass in the books. They have epic pages upon pages of describing him. And the um, way that he takes the Iron Islands is fucking badass in a, in a way more badass way. And they don't actually show the... They allude to the fact that uh, he kills his brother, but okay. they didn't. They don't show it. And I did like the scene in the show where they showed it because that was like, oh, that adds on to what happened in the books. It was an addition too. Um, but yeah, essentially, he's he's the Kraken, <laughs> and it doesn't make any sense that he's he has the crossbow. Long story short, uses crossbow, fucks up the entire fleet of Daenerys. They get fucking wrecked. Tyrion jumps out the fucking boat. Varys somehow jumps off the boat. Mm-hmm. Uh, Grey Worm says Missande get on a f- and, and row because I don't know why that'd be a good idea um, she could have just maybe she doesn't know how to swim maybe she's like John Marston um, and Grey Worm jumps off the boat they all get to the shore uh, and then Missande's missing 
And then we find out that Missandei has been captured by Cersei. And end plotline. <laughs> um, we're beginning bigger plotline. I don't know. Um, Missandei will never see the, the shores of Noth again because she's just been captured. And now the, so- the seeds have been sown for uh, Euron to think that the baby is his. I don't know if there is a baby, but if it's there is a baby, it's definitely not his. Um, it's definitely Jamie's. Or the twist would be it is his. And Jamie kills her because of it. Although we have to have Arya killing her because she has green eyes, but does Euron have green eyes? You it's hard to tell because the sense of time in this show is out of whack. On, right. So, yeah. Maybe we get the Valonqar prophecy, maybe we don't. Um, I don't think we do, though. Doesn't It wasn't set up already. Um. Then where were we? We're at King's right. Landing. Yeah. She's letting everyone in the Red Keep because guess what? They're all gonna fucking roast. Um. We get. Then we go to the gates. I think. Yeah, most like abruptly right after. It. Which. Yeah, I think there's like a little thing inside uh, Dragonstone. Oh, the Dragonstone talk, where essentially. Uh, Varys is sowing the seeds, I think, for betrayal. Um, we get a thing with Danny saying, well, fuck. Essentially, we've just been fucked, and Varys is like, I don't think this is a good idea to go attack the K- King's Landing. It's a fucking horrible idea. If you do this, you're gonna die. It's over. Maybe he truly believes this. Then there's a talk between him and uh, him and Tyrion. And essentially he says, Tyrion, I don't know. I'm I'm gonna do what's best for the realm, which actually mm-hmm. follows his his theory. He I don't think he's as backstabbish as uh as Littlefinger. Littlefinger Little would have used this as a manipulation tool. I think he's actually thinking this, but if he isn't, oh my god, is it good? Um and essentially tells him, Okay, I don't think this is gonna be working out. Uh I might go support Mr. John. Mr. Aegon Targaryen um, in, in this fight <laughs> because he has a better claim to the throne now that I know this. Thank you for telling me, asshole. Um, then we get to the thing at the gates. The two little fucking small pieces of army surrounded by what we have is archers on the fucking wall next to huge fucking ballasts that could ruin the... It's like bowling. They're fucking bowling pins at that point. Like... Come the fuck on. <laughs> it's bubble trouble up in this bitch. They're about to wreck their house. Um, and <laughs> she could have totally, like, Cersei could have totally destroyed uh, the entire Unsullied faction. And Drogon's there out in the distance. Okay. Yeah. And we get Daenerys and, and Grey Worm and uh, Tyrion. And I don't know if Varys was there. Was Varys there? Mm. Did Varys fuck off? I think he did. Maybe he wasn't there for a reason. Um, but we get Tyrion coming out. Kyburn comes out like the fucking mouth of Sauron. What do you want? Like, and he's like, I don't want to see people burn. I, I don't want to hear children burning. And it's not a pleasant sound. It's like, well, you fucking sick bastard. Um, essentially, Kyburn's like, fuck you. We're not going to listen to you. If you don't do what we do, Missandei dies now. That's it. You have to surrender unconditionally. No, that's not going to happen. So then 
Taryn's like, well, fuck you. I'm just going to go talk to my sister. They get ready to pull the arrows. I thought Tyrion might die there. I thought he fucking might. No, I was going to be like, armor. end plot line. He has plot <laughs> armor. So Cersei doesn't do that. Okay, great. Um, Maybe she wants Bronn to kill him, but she doesn't know what Bronn's done, but maybe she thought about it, but maybe she's not thinking about it right now. Long story short, we get Bronn, or no, Tyrion talking to uh, Cersei, saying, think about your child. Think about... I forget the speech. Do you remember it better than me? No, but yeah, the main point was... Think, think about, about your child. Think, and like, I don't, and that, I don't know. And that gives the notion to... Um, Euron, great. Yes, joy. yes. I thought about that. I was like, oh, how did he yeah. know what? Nah, 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 nah. It's all about information. Who yeah. knows what? That's yeah, what the nah. season's pretty much been about at this point. Like, well, who knows that? Happened. Who knows that John's gonna? Who who is actually the king? Okay, now a lot of people do. Yeah. Now it's information. Like that's been since episode one. That's been like the since the last strength, season. Yeah, the strength of of the series as a whole been you know knowledge is power yada yada yeah so now euron knows that Tyrion knows but how did he know that she was pregnant unless it's not my baby so okay there's that and then uh and then that sets seeds for something else and it ends with mr Mountain Kilgane doing one more unspeakable act by chopping off Masande's head. And after she says Dracaris, um, essentially saying, fucking burn these bitches. Um, fuck them kids. Fuck, fuck, fuck them. And we get our, uh, we get, we get our hateful fuck, ghost fuck Cersei, go fuck the mountain, fuck the king, fuck the city, fuck everybody. And what is that? I hear a fucking horn bellowing in the background. We get the hound doing a backflip and cutting off his brother's head in one fell swoop. And then in the next swoop, doing an upswing between Cersei's legs, cutting her in twine from, 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 from lips to lips. Uh, I'm a fucking horrible person, but I've, you know, I don't think that's how clicking bowl is going to go at all. It's, it's, not a fucking I certainly hope not. I think they both have to die. Um, or at least the Hound is more victorious. I could see them both dying, but the Hound gets the moral victory. Yeah. Hound's, Hound's definitely the favorite at, at this point. Nick <laughs> um, Gaines never, the, the Mountain's never been a good, never been anybody's favorite, in my opinion. He's just been a force of fucking nature. Yeah. So this episode, what did you think in general? I'll give it a seven out of ten. Eight out of ten. Okay. I th- I like this. Uh, it's very shocking uh, when they kill the dragon. I, I obviously they have to. Kill- kind of alluding to your point that you made a long time ago. I don't know if you made it on the podcast though. Um, they have to kill the dragons. The dragons have to die. Maybe that was the point of the Night King. Um, mm-hmm. maybe that's the last thing that they shared while they were looking into each other's eyes him and Bran who's like well have you foreseen that the dragons die anyway do you need to kill everyone do you need to kill me maybe it was only when they saw each other that it was finally a communion of oh maybe that was the I mean that seems like that was the that was the Night King's purpose to kill the dragons 
to bring a, a balance to mm. balance to the universe, but I could be wrong. Yeah, I mean, I see it. It's you just trudge into this territory of plot convenience where a plot point or a character's main motivation is just yeah. to expose another and counter it. And it, 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 it just makes for some lazy writing, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, so. This episode, I love the political intrigue that was brought back. I have missed this since when? Since last season, maybe? I don't know. It feels like, it feels like a long time. Like the interactions between Varys and Tyrion plotting behind Danny's back, or so it may seem like. Now that you brought brought up that one small scene in the beginning of the episode between Danny and Varys, just going somewhere. Yeah, else. they walk off. Like yeah, it wasn't like Danny real, but it was more or less Varys seeing an opportunity. Yep. And probably seizing it. There's definitely some conversations that we don't know what happened. Where? We don't know what Tyrion had promised with Cersei. We don't know what happened there. Like, secret conversations. I really fucking hope they tell us. Um, But they may not. Yeah. Okay, so... I think... What we just talked about now is going to be this show's potential saving grace. What plot twists are activated at the end in order to bring into context a lot of like the plot contrivance that I've had for this season and the past season. And if they can tie it up pretty neatly, it doesn't have to be perfect then I can at least say Game of Thrones as a whole is a good show. You know, that's my hope. Um, they don't, they definitely don't need to jump the shark. They need to give a twist with Tyrion twist with Bran. And I'm serious about that twist with Bran. Um, and it has to be, and maybe, maybe a twist with John to, to tie up the, the royalty part, part of it. Um, whether or not Arya kills, Someone with green eyes, I uh, could give a fuck. Um, I hope, I, I think the person she's going to kill with green eyes is Euron. Mm. I think Euron has green eyes. Oh, I'll have to double check. Uh, I'm fairly certain Euron has green eyes. I could be wrong. I hope that's the case because Arya taking yes. down the major villains. Of- yeah, that doesn't. Uh, uh. What's the what's the what's the actor's name? Fucking I just followed him today. God damn it. God, I have no idea. God damn it. You run. Hold on. Hold on. Okay, fine. You're looking it up. Um My review of this episode is Pretty simple. I again, there's just as you mentioned, like the the MacGuffins with killing Rhaegal, just solely out of shock value. I understand the logistics of having to kill two of the three dragons prior to the final fight, just to make it more fair. But again. I, I just come back to this idea of like 
they're just doing this for the sake of contrivance and not because it makes sense within the context of character motivations and their sort of, you know, decision-making ability. His name is Pilu Aspek. (laughs) That's an interesting name. Yeah, also there's apparently a scene with him possibly in uh, the same scene as uh, Torbund? Because there's pictures of him with Torbund on uh, his his Instagram. Like, not with Torbund, but with the actor, Christoph uh, Hivju. And they're just ta- they're, they're sitting next to each other, and he's like, Kivju and I doing selfies and illustrating what's to come, not only on Game of Thrones, but life in general. Photos taken almost two years ago at table, table Read, or is it? And it looks like it's possibly when the Table Read was done, but also might not be. Hmm. I think he has brown eyes. God damn it. Yeah, no. It's, it's Cersei, though. It makes sense, because Arya joining the hound back to King's Landing makes sense. Um, that's the only reason why she would go down there. So, yep. Oh, wait, no, he might have green eyes. Holy fuck. Wait, 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 wait. Oh, shit. I think he has green eyes. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, he has blue eyes. But in the ah. show, does he have green eyes? <laughs> Maybe they're kind of darkish green, and I can't tell. Uh, I don't know. Maybe. Mm. Oh my god, could you imagine, like, I would love to see Arya killing Euron. That would be fucking beautiful. Or maybe she, maybe she kills, I don't know. Does, when does Arya die? When do you think? She doesn't die. She doesn't die? I, I don't no. think she should. Um, yeah. Alright. Well, I think I give this out a 7 out of 10. What do you think? What do you give it? I'd give it a 5 out of 10. Five out of ten. All right. Yeah. Understandable. I know you don't like plot armor, and you definitely don't like jumping around teleporters. <laughs> that was my first comment I sent to you, and you were like, "What? I don't understand." And I was like, "The teleporters, dude." No, not the teleporters. It was uh, another comment you made. What? Plot armor? No, no. It was uh, you mentioned that don't don't spoil me something. Oh, don't spoil. Yeah. I could- you told me that the episode six description right, was out, right, but no, I, I it's not what, very descriptive. What is what is the episode six description? Does the the show culminates to its end point? Is that what it says? No. Does well, it spoil sort of, something? No, it doesn't spoil anything. It's just very generic. Okay. Yeah, big spoilers if you don't want to hear the episode six description. But go ahead and tell me. It's not. It's right there on the Discord chat. Like you, oh, you motherfucker! Yeah, right. It's right there. Right where? All the way up. All the way up? Yeah. What? Yeah. The last of the Starks? Yeah, that's the description. Doesn't spoil anything. Wait, the last of the Starks is the episode description? The title, yeah. That's the title for episode... Yeah, because you want because you wanted to spoil of war, but I I wrote the last of the Starks because it was the episode title I think of this recent episode. Oh, God damn it! And it no. has a, 
I thought you meant the oh Jesus. I thought you meant episode six in Game of Thrones description was out. Not the description for um, our episode number six. Fucking hell! No Jesus Christ. I was like, they released description? That's weird. God damn it. Back in tomfoolery. Communication 101 fail. Oh. Fail. Epic fail. Well, uh, do you have anything else you'd like to say? It is the witching hour. Yes, it is. Uh, okay. The next episode that we record will probably be the definitive Game of Thrones finale review. Mm-hmm. So, prior to that, who takes the Iron Throne? <laughs> who takes the Iron Throne? How yep. long do they have to sit on it? Like, end of game? Like, end As game? In they win Inito? the throne, yes. Can I have two possibilities? No. One. One. Has to be one. Jon Snow. Okay. Remember earlier how I joked that if Bran... You think it's grown? It'd be fucking and insane. How much I would fucking hate it, and you I would probably also still love it. Maybe it depends <laughs> on how. They, but it's him playing the game the whole Brand time. Stark. It. Yeah, that's my pick. I think Bran Stark is going to take the. That's the biggest twist. It's it, he's been playing everyone. That's why yeah. he has the information. He. I mean, did he? Yeah. Did he send he, someone he, to go north? I. Like what did what was big moments he influenced other than telling people about who's who? Um maybe he told maybe the conversation he had with nothing pops up in my head right now. Like he gets back from the wall, he shows up at Winterfell. Then what? At the end of the day, I think the showrunners are going to spite the living hell out of me, knowing how much I hate him as a character and as a plot device and, a, and as a MacGuffin. And he's going to sit on the throne and I'm just going to weep. <laughs> You're going to be like, God damn it. <laughs> yeah. Who's going to put him on the throne? Um, hmm. The mountain. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. Just, he wargs into the mountain. Oh god. Better than Hodor ever was. Holy <laughs> <laughs> oh shit. Your Hodor with plot armor. Well, I can appreciate the edge of, of that type of scenario playing out. No. Um, yeah, I think we get... So you think Jon Snow takes the throne? Even though he doesn't want it? I think that's what they, they gotta do. It's gonna be the guy that doesn't want Okay. I'm going to go with my very unlikely. Yeah, I feel like it. I feel like Jon Snow. <sighs> You're not going to let me have two, so I can't say it's either. Fine, 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 fine. Go ahead, go ahead. I feel like it's either going to be Jon Snow or it's going to be Tyrion. Okay. I also had a theory it might be Varys. <laughs> no. Because he wants what's best for the realm. Yeah, but he's he doesn't seem like the ruling type. Right, right. All right, then. 
but I think that, that would be, that would be maybe the thing that people have been over best for the realm. Why doesn't he be the king? Yeah, I don't know. It's all right though because I already know how it ends. Stannis the Manus dead. Stannis the Manus can't come back from the dead. Yes, he will. Who the fuck's going to bring him back, motherfucker? Who cares? Cut to Bran fucking rolling out to the (laughs) forest. (laughs) Fuck! They killed Jon! Fuck! Fuck! (laughs) Down the horn! Thanos the Madness has risen. All right, let's close this out. What if what if no one puts Bran on the throne? What if he just gets up out of the fucking chair and walks up to the throne and sits down and he's like, perfect. He can walk the whole fucking time. He figured out like a way to fix his back. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. But yeah, I feel like uh, I feel like this is a good capstone. Thank you so much for joining us. This was quite a long episode. Um and be sure to check out our next episode where we go into more depth. Uh, we'll be covering essentially the finale, I believe, unless there's something that crazy happens. We have about between then and now. Um, be sure to check out our uh, upcoming fully Game of Thrones podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. And it is time to say goodbye to Mr. Craig. Do you have any last things to say, Stephen? No. Steven. No. 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 Just dread for what's to come. The night is dark and full of spoilers. Mm. Goodbye, everybody.